Welcome to episode 69 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we are talking about a film that hit its 10 year anniversary back in March of this year. It's fucking Rango. <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally able to talk about one of the most unique animated movies I've ever laid my eyes upon. Uh, it won Best Animated Film at the 84th Academy Awards, uh, a category that has only been around for 20 years. There have been exactly 20 films to win Best Animated Feature. Uh, just six of them have not been a Disney or Pixar film. Just six. Uh, you know, we've covered Shrek on this show. The first ever winner is the, the inaugural winner. Um, the people that were working on Shrek were really pushing for a Best Picture nomination. It didn't happen, but they did win the very first uh, award for this category, uh, beating out Monsters, Inc. and Jimmy Neutron. Pretty, pretty good category pretty good group of films uh i'd say it's only evolved and only gotten stronger uh as we've seen films like you know toy story 3 and up both break into the best picture category uh you know and, and make some noise uh animated films are super important super super important uh i think the category is saying hey we want a place for them to be honored but we also don't want them to touch anything <laughs> don't want them to necessarily touch anything else it has to be very special like rango's only nomination and only win is in that category that's it nothing else uh you know there's obviously tons of categories you can you can compete in but this is it for rango and i'm very happy to be finally talking about this movie that's very important to me and i know you got to see it for the first time what do you think this was a trip uh I didn't know what to expect. I, I hadn't really looked into this movie. Uh, I remember the trailer yeah. vaguely back in 2011, just kind of a lizard movie. I didn't really yeah. think much of it at the time. Basically, my, my whole thing was like, if it's not Pixar, I don't give a shit. Yeah, that, well, that's the, that's the way we're, we're uh, brought up. We're, you know, it was ingrained in us that this is, in, Amer in American cinema, this is animated movies. Yeah, and I'm glad I've gotten over that because I would have missed out on a lot of really cool shit. Yes. Uh, Rango included. This is such a neat neo-Western. Yeah. And really celebrates the genre in every capacity. Like there's a little John Wayne, a little Gary Cooper, a lot of Eastwood. Yes. Really cool. Like if you're a Western fan, you're going to appreciate this movie more than anybody. And it's super, super dark for a kid's movie. There's yeah. murder. There's betrayal. There's political corruption. There's cursing. I mean, I... For, this was this was produced by Nickelodeon, and it does not feel like it at all. Um, and it's gorgeous. My God, the animation is insanely intricate, and they look like real animals. It's really impressive work, and assembling a voice cast like that. My God, what a cool bunch of people to do a movie like this. And I'm very glad that you chose this. This is a good. It's a good solid animated film to to make a really neat episode, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think, like I said, we covered Shrek. We've done Beauty and the Beast. We've done Toy Story. Um, 
The Incredibles, uh, some amazing, amazing movies. But Rango is in a class of its own. uh, It's not really a children's movie. Uh, Like you pointed out, all those different things. Even um, the the smoking, like there's tons of different animals smoking cigars and cigarettes throughout the film. And uh, in California, there's an anti-smoking organization called Breathe California. And they, they, you know, started this whole movement where, hey, there's, there's over 60 instances where someone is smoking in the film. And they, they think that it's a public health hazard. <laughs> and they, they started basically a petition for it to be rated R, this film. I think that's a step too far. But I do think it should be PG-13. I think this movie, especially when you get to the latter parts of it, the latter stages where you, 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 see, you see the villain... <laughs> rattlesnake jake um dark very very dark and i mean there's 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 straight up murder in it so i, I just i don't i don't know if this should be a film for people who are just trying to take their family out and they don't do their research and they go see oh look rango johnny depp he's this chameleon let's just go check it out and then they're just kind of shook by this almost two hour epic <laughs> yeah. uh I, I do think maybe it should be PG-13, but God damn, I love this movie so much. Uh, saw it in theaters, fell in love with it, and it's only gotten better with each viewing because of that, those things you, you pointed out, those nods to, to the Western genre, the nod to Chinatown, uh, the nod to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Those things are very important and very rewarding as a movie fan, as a, as a moviegoer. And it's built for people like us who eat that stuff up. So I, I don't see how someone who loves movies couldn't have a good time while watching Rango. And I'm, I'm very happy to be doing it here. Uh, this ceremony, 84th Academy Awards is when the artist won best picture. Uh, of course you and I, I think, uh, are huge fans of Moneyball, another film we've covered on Oscar Sunday. Uh, a lot of fun stuff from 2011 we can talk about, you know, Midnight in Paris, Tree of Life. There's, there's all kinds of different, different movies. And The Artist is one of the most obscure films to win in the past 50 years. Uh, it's, it it kind of stands on its own the way Rango does amongst its, uh, you know, amongst its peers. Uh, we are going to look at the 84th Academy Awards later. We are going to talk about some individuals that are involved in Rango. That's going to happen. And of course, at the end of the show, we're going to give our own awards to Rango. But with Rango being a a Nickelodeon film and being a best animated feature film winner at the Oscars, I thought it'd be really cool to uh, do another top five because these are so much fun. It's so much fun to be kind of to kind of learn about each other and share some stuff about movies we love. So what I had in mind was, okay, Rango, what does it represent? What is it? what's so great about it and a lot of it is that it's just polar opposite to what disney and pixar have been doing for its entire existence and so in my mind i thought okay let's do our five favorite animated movies of all time it's like no no no. let's cut disney and pixar out of that everything that's attached to disney and pixar which is a shit ton of films it also includes a lot of the studio ghibli ghibli however you want to say it 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 cuts out a lot of those because they for me anyway, I, I want to be very clean cut about this. Studio G and Disney made a deal uh, in the late 90s. I think it was 1996 before Mononoke came out um, where they 
in North America on the, you know, in most Western parts of the world, Disney had control over the distribution and advertising and different things. And I, I just, that doesn't sit totally well with me. And I'm not sure if you would even have any studio G movies, but I definitely would have a couple that'd be in the running, but I just wanted to go ahead and cut them out completely because one day we are going to do a spirited away episode. And one day you will go through the gauntlet of the great films of studio G and then we can do a top five for just them. Yeah. I think, I think they deserve that, that praise, that right. So they are not going to be showing up today, nor will Disney, Pixar, all that stuff. So it's, it's like 200 movies or some shit <laughs> that, that, we're not, that are not on the table. So does that mean Spirited Away is counted as a Disney win? <sighs> yes and no. Well, they, didn't, they didn't have a hand in how it's, you know, how it's done, right? In, like the film itself, how it's done. But when it is released here in the United States, they do. And they have controlling over who, who's going to be cast for the, the dubbed English versions. Ooh. So, yeah, so something like Ponyo is like, okay, let's just throw in a bunch of fucking stars. And that's how we'll get people to come see our film. And I just, I, I don't know, it just doesn't sit totally right with me. There's a lot of research that you can do, and we will do a big episode on Spirit Away because it's the second ever winner. It, it came out in 2001 properly, uh, you know, overseas, but it didn't really have its release until 2002. So it should have competed against Shrek and Monsters, Inc. and Jimmy Neutron, but instead it had to, you know, be pushed back here and competed against films like Lilo and Stitch. So um, I want to do an episode on that. I think it deserves our full attention. Yeah. I think Spirited Away is a borderline masterpiece. I think Mononoke is a borderline masterpiece. And I think those films deserve their own space, their own episode. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I've only seen two of them. I've only seen Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle. I haven't seen any of the other ones. And I am honestly waiting for a reason. So that yeah. would be a good reason to finally it's, like tackle all those movies. It's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna happen. There's just too much history, too much good stuff. And I know, I know the way you are, and I know how storytelling is massive for you. And those movies know how to tell stories. Yeah. Very, very different stories. Very very much going against also kind of in the Rango world where it's just going against what we're used to. You know, it's not very conventional, like spirited away is like, wait, what, <laughs> what is happening here? You know, Howl's Moving Castle is a brilliant one and has a lot of really cool symbolism in it. Um, I love a lot of those. I love, uh, you know, uh, some of the older ones, you know, my neighbor Totoro and um, Kiki's delivery service. Like th those films are great. They're fantastic. And they, they definitely deserve their own, their own, their own episode. So those are cut out again, like you said, you've only seen a couple of them. So not, not very difficult here. So what we do have is we both, both have five films we want to talk about. We're going to count down from five to one. I'll let you start. Uh, I cannot wait to hear what you have. Um, last week we did uh, leaving Las Vegas. We had some interesting things happen at the two and the one with adaptation and raising Arizona. Yeah. Very cool. I don't think that's happening today. I think, I think we both have seen a lot of animated movies, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're both 26 years old and in, in our era of movie watching, there's just been a shit ton, a shit ton of animated movies, shit ton of family movies. So I, I I'm, I'm super excited to see what you have and what, what's kind of stuck out to you over the years. Go ahead and start us off, man. Well, I'll start out by saying that my list uh, is pretty centered around the uh, years 1999 to 2001 i have not left that window and uh it's a it's a golden era for the for the genre 
all five of these films have been with me since I was a really young child. Uh, I have three from DreamWorks and two from Warner Brothers. Uh, okay. Okay. I my number it. my number five was different until about an hour ago. Honestly, um, my original number five was um, 2001's Osmosis Jones. Mm. That was my original five, and. I had that up until an hour ago and I started thinking about it and I'm like, you know what? There is a film that deserves that spot more. And it is 2000s chicken run. Oh, I love chicken run. Love chicken run. Chicken run is such a goofy movie. It's by the guys who made Wallace and Gromit. It's all claymation. And it's about hens trying to escape a chicken farm. And with the help of a circus rooster who ends up in their uh, area and teaches them how to fly by helping them build a big ass plane. Meanwhile, the, evil people who run the farm are building like a pie machine to turn everybody into pies, which I don't see how that helps their market value. But I mean, you don't get rid of your, your entire stock. That's not going to help anybody. Anyway, uh, it's really cute. It's really funny. It's uh, I think it's a British production and uh, it's just one of those movies. That's always kind of comfort food to me. Yeah. And uh, I felt it deserved the spot a little bit more than osmosis Jones, but if this was a top six, that's where that would be. I love that. Osmosis Jones is fantastic. I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> Chicken Run, I can relate to it being kind of comfort food. It's just, I still remember seeing it in theaters, still. And that, you know, attack on the senses where it is the claymation that you spoke about is just different than what I was used to. You know, Lion King and Pocahontas and Aladdin and Hercules just looks way different polar yeah. opposite and that that when you're a child that opens up everything like oh and well, can i see more of this yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure chicken run is the reason i adore british humor so much is that's the mm. first british comedy i ever saw and as a kid i'm like this is weird and different but i really like this and then i just kept exploring things in that vein ever since brilliant brilliant i love that man oh <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't really think about that one for my top five, but I do love it. You know, I, it's a solid eight for me kind of kind of film. And I would I would love to find a way to talk about it more, you know, maybe on filmgasm or something. That'd be a blast. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> and that's that's 2000 or 2001? 2000. 2000. OK, yeah. So we were both five when it came out. Very impressionable. And. I think I probably could track back my love for British humor as well to that. I, I think, I think, I think, I think it has to, has to get those props. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So cool. Um, mine's a bit different than that one. <laughs> my, my number five is a, a movie I saw maybe a year ago uh, through the Criterion channel. Uh, it's a, a French, French movie about a, West African folk tale. Um, There's actually technically four of these, and this is the first part of four. I have not seen the other three. I'm dying to see them. It's one of those that I I know it's about to just open up my mind. But the first one is Kirku and the Sorceress. Uh, I've not seen very many. This is from 1998. I've not seen very many um, African type stories within animation. Uh, where it's properly, you know, you, the, the the characters are speaking in French and the art is so authentic within it. And Kirikou, the character of Kirikou is so inspiring. 
and so incredible and 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 becomes becomes an absolute monster right out of the womb is like born and is just a just a freak of nature and watching him run and fight at like five years old is really cool and then later on in the film he grows up to be a man and it it has this really epic scene between him and another and a creature that i'll i'll just kind of hint about that i think you would love this movie connor uh I, I think it's still on Criterion. I'm not sure. It's only 70, 70 minutes long, which I love when an animated movie just stays, stick to its guns and just says, this is our story. We're going to leave it there. Uh, we're going to be talking about a movie later that does that, another French movie that does that later uh, that I really liked that we did for this, did as some research for this show. But uh, yeah, Kirikou and the Sorceress, awesome stuff. Unlike any other animated movie I've seen. And I just tripped on it one day and, the kind of cover for it on Criterion on the, on like the main menu screen, it was like art house animation. I don't know what the, what the fucking category was the collection, but I, it just intrigued me. It just intrigued me that you don't see a lot of animated movies that are like every character is black. Every character is true to its, uh, true to its, you know, heritage and, I like that the movie stuck to its guns and it's just kind of like, here, here it is. If you, you know, you enjoy it, you enjoy it. If not move on. Um, very, very cool stuff. Very, very dark moments in it as well, which I definitely have uh, all five of my movies are pretty dark <laughs> uh, here in the top five. They're, they're more, more for adults than I'd say children, but if a child watches it at the right time with the right mindset, they can, they can change everything. Isn't it great to find, like long time favorites that you just kind of stumble upon without uh, any like in- original intention. Christ. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. I just, uh, as you know, I have been in my own time watching Altman movies and I watched the long goodbye and I was just like, what the fuck? This is too up my alley. It makes way too much sense in my mind. And reminded me so much of, you know, my favorite director, Paul Thomas Anderson, because he's, he's obsessed with Altman and I'm becoming obsessed with Altman because of Paul Thomas Anderson and Elliot Gold. Holy shit. That guy is just a once in a generation kind of performer. I love when I have, oh, when I watched uh, Michael Mann's theatrical debut, A uh, Thief from 1981. I, I, I love, love when that happens, when you're just floored by a movie on the first watch and you're like, holy shit, I have to own this. <laughs> I, need to, I need to own this and I need to tell people about it. There's not really anything better than that, than going back in time and watching something from you know, the history of cinema and falling in love with it, just like people did back in the day. It's really, really cool. So yeah. Yeah. 1998, Kirikou and the Sorceress. Check it out. If you uh, have Criterion, I'm pretty sure it's still on there. If not, just find your way to it. It's on, it's on Prime for whatever, $3.99. So yeah, check it out. Hell yeah. Um, my number four, pretty predictable. Uh, it's a film we've already talked about on Oscar Sunday, and it is 2001's Trek. Yes, I knew Shrek would be on yours. Yeah, Shrek is a masterpiece. It's it's <laughs> perfect. It's flawless. It's hilarious. It's the perfect blend of you know kid fairy tale and adult humor. It's it flaw you know it flaunts conventions. It's a big ass middle finger to Disney, and it gave DreamWorks the yes. you know, financial success they needed to actually be a legit rival to Disney in the industry. 
uh, and it's it holds up. It, the animation is great. The characters are absolutely perfect. And I mean, it never gets old. I could watch Shrek all day. It is so, so funny. And uh, yeah, I mean, we did an entire episode on it. So if you want to hear more about my thoughts on Shrek, go listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was an absolute blast. That's where we kind of, I think, honed in on the category itself, you know, um, the best animated category and Shrek winning. That just makes so much sense. And it's so cool that DreamWorks was like, we're going to do this just to fuck with Disney. And now look at him. Now look at him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's very cool. Yeah, Shrek is is Shrek a ten for you? Is it a ten? It's it's been a nine. I think it's time. <laughs> yeah, um, I think all of my movies are tens here uh, in my five. I I feel like Shrek is is right outside of this five. It's it's also been a nine for me for a long time, but it probably is a ten. I probably just need to be like, okay, fuck it, it's time. Yeah, it, it is like you said, endlessly rewatchable more so than the movies that I've chosen. I would rewatch that movie over so many other films. And when you think about 2001, that is immediately one of the first things I think about is Shrek vs. Monsters, Inc. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, incredible stuff. I knew it was going to show up on yours, man. Uh, I loved doing that episode. I loved giving it awards. Like, it's just, just an absolute blast. Yeah, that was great. Uh my number one is a 10, but my two and three, um, my three and two are nines, but they are really, really, really close to 10. And honestly, just talking about them here might, might push them over the edge. That's usually, that's usually all it needs, right? Is like, if you get a prompt from somebody, uh, if you're just talking to someone uh, about, about a film that you've watched and you're like, oh, this is my chance. Let me pull up my PowerPoint and fucking get the, get the podium out and like, you know, then, then you realize, Oh my God, I love this shit, <laughs> you know? And it's okay. It's okay to just go ahead and admit this is a perfect movie to me in my mind for me in my life. It's a perfect 10, maybe not for everybody, but fuck that. It's all about, this is how I feel. This is my passion and sharing that with people. Cause it's going to relate to somebody, you know, uh, Shrek is hands down one of the more important, you know, animated movies that's come out at maybe ever. So uh, just it's attention to detail. It's commitment to its comedy. I mean, yeah. is better than most comedies. So uh, better than most live action comedies. Uh, I just, yeah, I just, I just adore it. So great pick, man. My number four, I, I feel like you're going to go somewhere in this realm at some point during this little this little project. Maybe this is the one. Um, the Batman animated movies are, I will always stand by, are pretty much better than the live action ones. Uh, they have an audacity to them that the live action films never seem to understand or go for. And the one I chose is from 2000s, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. That's my number four. This is a fucking perfect movie. My favorite, my favorite Joker performance pretty much ever. Uh, you know, I, I, I love what Heath Ledger is doing, of course, just like everybody. I think Joaquin did, did a decent job. You know, Jared Leto, yikes. But Mark Hamill, there's no one that has that just slimy, nasty, 
fuck you voice that he has. Just no one can capture it. No one can, no one gets it. And this movie being really based around, you know, it's called Return of the Joker and has his face on the poster, you know, just smiling like a fucking, <laughs> like a prick. I love it so much. And when I rewatched it, because uh, you let me borrow it uh, on Blu-ray and I had seen it when I was younger and rewatching it as, a, as an adult, I was like, good Lord, this is dark as fuck and so committed. Again, these movies that we're talking about, I, the, my main thing about them is how committed they are to their darkness and how they're not, they're not, they're not willing to stray away. So this is, this is a Warner brothers film. Uh, I, in, in the, it's in the DC Batman universe, you know, and I, I just have so much fun with it. Talking about it always makes me want to watch it again. That's, that's the kind of, kind of way I feel about it. Uh, again, the runtime, it's like 75 minutes. Just totally understands what it's trying to say and does it, does it better than the fucking Nolan movies? Does it better than anything else that's come out? I, 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 2000, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker is where it's at when it comes to Batman. Well, let me just start out by saying I fucking love you, man. Um, <laughs> And I'm gonna hold my I'm gonna I'm gonna hold myself here because I, I will be saying more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes, that's good to hear. What's your number three? <laughs> oh <laughs> my number three is a film we did on Filmgasm uh last year as just kind of an like fuck it, we want to talk about this movie um bonus episode kind of deal. And it is um let me just check the year on this. Uh, 2000s, The Road to El Dorado. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, DreamWorks, like in the two from like 99 to like 2004, DreamWorks knew exactly what they were fucking doing. There was, I don't know what it was that there was some magic there that just disappeared. It was, I think, Shark Tale killed it. But, um, I do too. Yeah, I do too. Road Isn't to that El funny? That's funny. That's that's the one that Scorsese's involved with. <laughs> yeah. What? What the fuck? <laughs> Gangster sharks and a racist car wash. This is not what I what I need right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> El Dorado has been one of my favorite movies uh, since I as far back as I can remember. Uh, just the the perfect blend of Kenneth Branagh and Kevin Klein being just con men from Spain who stumble onto the city of gold and try to milk it for all it's worth by pretending to be gods. Yes. T- give me, give me all of it. Give me an hour and a half of that magic and a soundtrack by Elton John. Are you kidding me? I yeah. mean, this is just a perfect, you know, Sunday watch. It's so funny. It holds up. It's surprisingly not as racist as it could be, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. Uh, and I think it's just a, a great, gem that could have spawned a franchise but didn't do well enough and kind of fell off the radars become a bit of a cult favorite uh yeah. but it's it's a it's a great comedy and a really fun family film and uh i'll, yeah, I'll sing that film's praises forever oh hell yeah i wasn't expecting that uh talk about another movie that's committed to its humor and <laughs> sticking sticking to its guns uh God, I want I want to watch that again. Just kind of, I, I just look at my TV right here in my room while I'm recording, and I'm just like, oh shit, I kind of want to, I kind of want it on. <laughs> on one hand, gold. On the other, 
painful, embarrassing failure. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so good. It's so grown up. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, there's a full blown sex scene in this movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, his, it, hair, his hair is all fucked up when he like looks. Yeah, his head, his head comes into this into the frame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and if you look where she's coming up from, she she wasn't kissing his mouth. No, no, yeah. no, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, definitely a fun movie, and I think you know I miss DreamWorks Golden Age. They had such great movies, and then just they had to. Had to bet everything on Shark Tale, and like all the creativity went out the fucking window after that. <laughs> oh, isn't it tough though? At least we have that era, you know, yeah. where like a movies like Shrek and Rodel Dorado remain just, just fantastic stuff. So really, that's a really really good pick, man. I, I wasn't I wasn't totally expecting that. You know, I try not to uh, necessarily guess what you're gonna do. Yeah, I have my I have my ideas, and and that was that was not one of them. Uh, you, you're surprising <laughs> me here. Everything except for Shrek is a surprise so far. Uh, God, I love that. I love that. Uh, my number three is um, kind of, I, I might be cheating a little bit here, maybe, uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, I'm choosing an animated film that uses uh, interpolated rotoscope, which is a technique for movies when, you know, you want to make, make a human look animated. So you use you know, normal camera, oh, and- film, film people, and then uh, use this technique to kind of change the entire layer of the film and, and make it animated. So it shows a uh, Richard Linklater's 2006 uh, psychological science fiction film, <laughs> a scanner darkly, <laughs> which stars Robert Downey Jr. And maybe my favorite role of his aside from maybe Zodiac. I just adore him in this movie. Keanu Reeves is fantastic. Woody Harrelson, Winona Ryder and Rory Cochrane. All of them are perfect in this movie and it's creepy and weird. It's a, it's based on the Philip K. Dick uh, novel of the same name, which is a fantastic read. Philip K. Dick is one of the more advanced minds I think we've ever had uh, when it comes to, comes to writing. Uh, it's a 1977 book, kind of a near future dystopia. Just what, what exactly is happening? Keanu Reeves is playing, playing a, a cop essentially. And, there's a drug that's kind of on the loose and taking people and there's great scenes with Robert Downey Jr. and Woody Harrelson just kind of off their rocker. And with that technique used in the film, it just gives it a totally different life. And I love that Richard Linklater has that and, and waking life. Uh, both of those films use the exact same technique. I love that he has those in his filmography while he also has school of rock and the before trilogy and days confused, you know, and everybody wants some and slacker, you know, it's just crazy that he's kind of done everything you can within his, you know, within his, you know, rights and within his rights as a director and a filmmaker, he's tried to tackle everything. And scanner darkly offers like the full palette of, of link later where it's just got a, got a you know, drug induced, very funny. And, out there makes makes you really think about stuff makes you really think about you know who's watching and what what's happening and who are your who are your friends really and uh i i love the themes like that and again rdj is worth is worth every minute if, if even if you don't like the film you're gonna love robert downey jr what he's doing in this movie because you're like holy shit 
this guy's about to play Iron Man. And he's playing this wacko guy sitting in a cafe, fucking talking his, you know, talking his, his mouth off uh, with these weird glasses on and crazy outfits. I, I just, I have so much fun. The aesthetic of this movie is very special. I, when I was living in Houston, I was living uh, alone for a little while. And I, that's, that's one of the times I was, I was 21. And I, that was one of those stretches where I was like, I'm just inhaling movies and choosing whatever the fuck I wanted. And I was buying a lot of movies. That's when I started kind of building my collection to be what it is today. And I bought a scanner darkly and waking life on Amazon uh, on both on DVD, just kind of like, fuck it. I love link later. I want to see these two out there movies that use this weird animation technique. And I, I love both of them, but a scanner darkly. I definitely like more waking life does not find a place in my top five, but it's definitely in the top 10. Nice. Uh, I wasn't expecting that, but it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for, you know, auteurs, you know, like, like I, I don't have, I don't have Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs on my list, but Wes Anderson is, is a hero of mine. And I love both of those movies. They just don't quite make the cut, but I love when a filmmaker, uh, you know, a, a visionary goes way out of their way to do something completely different. I love when people do that, just like Gore Verbinski. Yeah, definitely. I get that. Uh, yeah, I've got to see this one. I Linklater is somebody I've, I've really recently started to dig into more. I just finished the Before Trilogy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what a roller coaster that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's what I would suggest. If someone was like, who's Linklater? It's like, here, watch these three and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, call me when you're done crying. <laughs> it's been a week. I'm not done yet. Yeah. Oh, um, no. Never. Even when it gets brought up, I just, oh, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck. <laughs> I feel like it fractured my fucking heart a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And it, it'd be so hard to do a link later top five because it's like, I want all three of those in there. <laughs> you know, it's oh. like, yeah. Yeah. He's the man. You're going to love him more and more as you go. I bet I am. Yeah. Um, my number two uh, should come as no surprise. Uh, this has been just a, a monumental film, uh, in my opinion, since I was a kid. And um, this is a film I used uh, as a jumping off point to test uh, a former Filmgasm team member. Uh, ended up being a fantastic would-be episode. Uh, 1999's The Iron Giant. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> One of the most powerful depictions of friendship, loyalty, and bravery I've ever seen. And with a little boy and a 30, 40 foot robot from Mars, who'd have thought? Voiced by Vin Diesel, who'd have thought? And yeah, it's so brilliant from beginning to end. It's just, you know, Hogarth teaching this robot how to be human. And the robot developing a soul and a care for living things and overcoming his programming to not be a weapon. It's so heartwarming and so wholesome. And the ending, you know, the, the, the sacrifice is so gut-wrenching every time I watch it. It's, it's flawless. It's such a perfect movie. Um, yeah, I, I love that movie to death. And I'm so glad to... I've seen it and also to have seen the like recent uh, 
extended edition that had the extra scenes added in where you get to see a little bit more of where this thing came from. Uh, yeah. Fantastic movie. Yeah. Iron giant is the definition of underrated. Yes. Underappreciated underseen it lost money in the box office. Just so stupid. But what's, but what proves something that proves all those points you're making is Disney Pixar rather straight up stole Brad Bird. They said, yeah. we're going to pluck you out of there. And, and he goes on to, of course, direct the Incredibles and Ratatouille Incredibles two, And it's become kind of a Pixar legend since, <laughs> but there's an argument to be made that Iron Giant is better than both of those. That Iron Giant is, is the superior film to anything that he's ever done. Um, and it's just funny how Disney's like, oh, fuck. They knew. They knew that when they saw it, oh, man, this is like, this is lights out. This is incredible. You know, we, we have to have this guy, this guy who wrote the screenplay and directed it and, you know, came up with a storyboard for it. Like, who is this genius? We got to get him and properly advertise his films. And that's what they did. So it's a damn shame that Iron Giant is kind of a, a cult classic that's kind of crazy because it's amazing it's an amazing movie i didn't man i don't know why i didn't think about this one um for my top five but it is it is a breathtaking movie and and will will kind of shatter your heart uh while at the same time makes you laugh along the way uh really cool voice cast like you said uh vin diesel harry connick jr jennifer aniston like christopher mcdonald like what the hell (laughs) Emmett walsh what in the world john mahoney (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's got this great just 90s voice cast and yeah. it's, it takes place, you know, it, it takes place during the fucking Red Scare, which is just brilliant. You know, 50s Leave it to Beaver America that has this giant robot just kind of looming over it. And for this kid to not think like, oh, my God, the thing's going to kill me. It's oh, my God, I have a robot friend. <laughs> and then yeah. this thing about humanity and about life and death and about having a soul and making a choice and having, you know, the power to choose who you want to be in life. That's incredibly great lessons to learn as a child. This movie should have been so much bigger than it was. And I just, I, I hate that it wasn't. It's, it was big to me. It's always been big to me. Yeah. And that's, that's obviously the most important thing, right? Is when a movie finds its cult, it stays. It stays. And uh, I'm with you, man. That's that's definitely a movie that I would love to talk more about, you know, in some capacity or, you know, anybody on the film gasm team. It's just it's just worth all the time in the world. Uh, Great pick. Great pick. Iron Giants. That's your number two. Yes. My number two. um, I remember talking about this film. Let's see. A long time ago now. It was the first ever sneak preview episode we did we we did our top 10 films of 2020 yeah uh and we also did top five first time watches from the past year and yeah. this movie popped this movie popped up on there i can't remember the other four i talked about i could make guesses but i remember vividly talking about this one because it's animated because it's a 70s movie and i love 70s movies oh yeah. and it's a and it's a french film which is uh a place i love to go and I know you don't. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I know. French cinema is not not quite your, uh, you know, not quite in your bag. Understandably, uh, 
it's usually pretty pretty uh pretentious <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just go ahead and say it uh so my, my number two is 1973's fantastic planet directed by renee lalu uh written by renee lalu and roland toper uh just jaw-dropping jaw-dropping stuff and fantastic planet when i watched it I saw, again, this is one similar to Kirikou and the Sorcerers. I saw it on Criterion. I saw kind of the art for it, and I was like, damn, that looks kind of cool. And then I saw 70s. I don't know how many 70s animated movies I've been exposed to. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I, I, I just, it's safe to say I came out on top. <laughs> uh, I adore this movie. It, it premiered at Cannes in 1973 <laughs> and just has this feel to it where it's telling a story that is just way advanced and way ahead of its time and definitely not definitely not a kids movie it's definitely an adult animated science fiction film uh and when i was watching it i had this kind of kind of art moment where i couldn't deny the 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 chills the the goosebumps you know whatever you want to call it everything was happening at once where i was like holy shit i uh I, I realized that one of the songs from the score that's playing in the film was sampled by one of my favorite, favorite uh, rappers of all time, Mac Miller, rest in peace. He's been gone uh, for a little over three years now, which is just hard to, hard to believe and hard to process still uh, just a, a man of man of many words and lots of, lots of talent. And he sampled uh, a track from fantastic planet for his song with Rick Ross on one of his mixtapes called Insomniac. And it ha- it's just this ringing, woo, kind of s- true to sci-fi, alien, weird noises. And then you have it speed up and get really quick tempoed with Mac Miller and Rick Ross rapping over it. And when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh my God, that's Insomniac. Holy shit, one of my favorite tracks from Faces, which is my favorite thing that Mac Miller ever did is, is Faces. I think, it's th- I think it's his greatest feat as an artist. And so when those two things collided, I just couldn't, I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen. And then it's one of those movies. I literally watched again the next day. You know, it's one of those, I got to see this again, again, it's 70 minutes long, very short, very easy to just kind of throw on, be, be floored by. And then, and then you're done. You leave and you have to deal with those thoughts for the rest of your life. (laughs) Uh, I really hope people seek this movie out. I don't want to give away a lot of what happens in it because, it, because I feel so strongly about it. Uh, in 2016, it was ranked as the 36th greatest animated film ever made by the Rolling Stone magazine. I don't take a lot of stock into those, but it is cool when you see something that you love on those lists. You're like, holy shit, I've seen that. <laughs> uh, I, I love little things like that. And it's a movie that took 10 years to kind of conjure up it started in the early 60s, and you can see that. You can see they're, they're advancing as time goes from the 60s to the 70s. And I, you, know, you know my adoration for 70s in general. Uh, I think it's hands down, by far and away, my favorite uh, decade in American cinema. But it's so much fun to visit other stuff from other countries. And Fantastic Planet is a, is a French one that I, I, I have the utmost regard for. And I think it's uh, one of the more recommendable films I could think of uh, in my, in my arsenal of, of shit I've watched. So 
had to be here, had to be in my top five. Uh, I'm still waiting to buy it because it's still on Criterion and I, I kind of get lazy when a movie's just there and I'm like, oh, I can always watch it there. But I, I, I need to own this. I need to own the Criterion edition of this movie. Uh, and I, I will one day. I love how our respective top fives reflect your dedication to experimentation and my loyalty to longtime favorites. Really kind of shows where, like, where our main focus is in regards to like how we look at film. I like that. Me too. It, it, this top five couldn't explain more who we are as, um, yeah. as movie watchers. Everybody watches movies differently. It's about finding that uh, it's like, it's, it's about meeting someone halfway and figuring out, Oh man, like the shit he likes is really, really cool. Or the shit she likes is really, really cool. And then vice versa. And you're able to just kind of be comfortable in that spot. And it's beautiful. It's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So my number one, uh, we, sh- we, should all, we should all know what that is. Yeah. Uh, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. Let's uh, fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know is... it would be your number one. I didn't know. I knew it, was gonna, I knew it would be here. I'm kind of shocked there's not multiple Batman movies because I know how much you love that shit. Oh, believe me, I wanted to. But I told myself, like, you're going to pick one and it's going to represent your love of Batman. And what mm. better movie to do that than Return of the Joker? The first mm. one I ever loved. This, mm. this is one of the coolest Batman stories ever told. And it's the story of the last time Batman fought the Joker. And there's actually two versions of this movie. I had yeah. the, the kids version on tape as a kid. And then when I bought the Blu-ray, I didn't know there was another version of the film until I started watching it. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is the R-rated version. And basically, the only real difference is there's murder <laughs> in the, in yeah, the, real, in yeah. the regular movie. And, and it, it's, it's implied in the kids' movie because on WB in 2000, you can't just show Joker getting shot to death by mutated Robin. Instead, what you show is joker getting violently electrocuted with a blood curdling scream because that that's better for children i guess <laughs> I, that freaked me out more than the gunshot uh. but uh, <laughs> i just i love this whole idea because I, I was a big fan of batman beyond when i was a kid i watched that all the time and to me this movie showed you know you're not batman until you fight the joker mm. and to see bruce wayne terrified of terry going up against the joker just like put the suit away i don't want you here anymore just telling him like he's gonna kill you and i can't go through that again like so powerful the the character development in this movie is brilliant i love the way they use tim drake as like the you know the last robin and how it all just how that event fucked bruce wayne up so much that he almost like he gave up sidekicks like he it, it, it ruined the whole thing. And like you said, Mark Hamill is, oh my God, just the definitive Joker. It's, it's amazing what he's able to do with that character in the TV show, in the animated movies, in the video games. It's always incredible. Uh, I, you know, to me, he's more Joker than he is Luke Skywalker. Like oh. that's, that's the role that I will think about, about first when I hear his name. Same. <laughs> I just, I just don't give a fuck about Star Wars for the most part. So it's like, well, for me, it's, for, I know for you, it's harder to like do that. But to me, it's like, yeah, easy. 
the thing is, I give quite a fuck about Star Wars, but I still <laughs> love this Joker more than I more than I love Luke. And, oh yeah, straight up. Yeah, I just I think the aesthetic of future Gotham is so cool. I love how how far they're willing to go. The way they just you know they build the relationship between older Bruce and Terry. And to see Terry take on Joker in his own way as a different kind of Batman and for Joker to be unprepared for that is awesome. Mm. He's a goofy Batman. And yeah, it's it's so cool. It's so neat. It is the first Batman, like first DC animated movie I ever adored right next to like, you know, Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero. These were these were the tapes I had as a kid, but this is the one I always kept watching. Yeah. And since then, I've just been constantly exploring the DC animated movie universe. It's their best work. I don't know why those guys aren't put in charge of writing the screenplays of the movies. We'd have such a cool cinematic universe if they, they just you know swap jobs. Yeah, but, I agree. But this was always my this was the first one I wrote down. This was always going to be my number one. I adore this film like nobody's business. It's one of my favorite comic book movies of all time and a true masterpiece that like really, you know, it didn't get a theatrical release. It was straight to video to not a lot of people's like, I don't think know about this one or have seen it, but DC fans fucking love this movie. Yes. And yeah, definitely uh, an epic adventure. Yeah. God. Yeah. God, I love that. <laughs> That's perfect, man. Uh, I vividly remember that that stretch when I it was around when I you and I were you and I were becoming very, very good friends. And you let me borrow Phantasm and uh, Return of the Joker, of course, Sub-Zero. I, there was like five. You like like, hey, watch these again. You know, yeah. Even if you've seen them as a kid, they've changed. They have changed, <laughs> yes. And, and and Return of the Joker is the one that stood out. Obviously, it's in it's my number four here, uh, and can only can only get better with more watching, right? It, only, it can only kind of pull at you more and more. So I, I knew it was going to be here. I didn't know it'd be number one for you. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad I didn't speak about it too much for my number four because I knew it was coming. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm floored and honored that it's even in your top five. That is fucking amazing. Oh, I I just I, I feel I feel pretty strongly about my my fandom at this point in my life. And I just I have no problem saying if I put this movie next to Batman Begins or The Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises or or or, or, or Batman 1989 or Batman Returns, I this one's better. <laughs> This movie as a whole is better. It's a better story. It's a better, better executed. It just doesn't fuck around. When I, I love it. When I think of Batman, the voice I hear is Kevin Conroy. Like that is Batman. Oh, yeah. And me too. Batman Beyond, you know, we get to see the evolution of Kevin Conroy's Batman from Cape Crusader to, you know, guy in the chair. And there's this pain in older Bruce's voice. Like, I wish I was still out there. Like, the heart is willing, but the body isn't, you know, it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. They're, they're willing to add a whole element of, of aging, which every, everyone else is like, no, fuck. They got to be like 30 or 40. You know, they, <laughs> they, they have to be a freak of nature. They got to be able to fight whoever they're going against, but adding that element of aging. And then you add, it's not just about superheroes anymore and villains. It's about identity and, and, and realizing I don't have that anymore. I'm old. Yeah. I've, had to, I've had to step down because of life, because of what life does to you. I love that. 
I think Return of the Joker has handled the idea of Batman's legacy better than any movie ever done about the character. Agreed. It's, it's great. You know, passing the torch along is a very important part of that movie. Bruce accepting that he is no longer Batman, that Terry McGinnis is Batman now, and him having to come to terms with that while his worst enemy is back on the streets. It, ah, God, I might watch that tonight. It's, it's a great movie. Yeah, I, again, it's, it's super short, super easy to just, I'm just going to watch this. This is what's happening with my night. I'm going to have some dinner, and I'm going to watch Return of the Joker, and it, my night will be better than yours. <laughs> and if, if y'all want to actually check this one out, I do think it is on HBO Max right now. Correct. So yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of that really cool golden shit from, from this, this era is on there. Uh, good shout. Because, yeah, if you haven't seen that, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing with your life. Just go do it. Go read it on Letterboxd. Do whatever you got to do. This movie is is damn near perfect. So great, great pick. I love it. I love that. I'm I'm glad that kind of rounded out your top five. You, you while you stayed within a certain range of years, you have a you have you have a very you know uh, a group full of variety and that represent different things about uh, being impressionable, being young, and falling in love with storytelling. So. Good stuff, man. Uh, and Thank I think you. Batman, Batman Beyond is, is definitely my my favorite film on, on your list. It's it's <laughs> it's it's a ten out of ten kind of movie. Uh, yes. My number one. You have a guess? I think so, but I might be wrong. Rango. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, of course. I w- I wouldn't set this up if I wasn't ready for Rango to be in there. <laughs> Damn! All right, I was uh, way off. Uh, what was your guess? I thought it was uh, going to be Animalisa. Oh, I, yeah, I love Animalisa. That that's not quite um, quite in this in this group. Probably in the top ten or fifteen, maybe twenty for me. But uh, you know, we could have we could have done Spider Man into the Spider Verse. That shit was not touched by Disney. That's that's Marvel Entertainment and Sony. <laughs> so I, you 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 could. I think it's a little bit of cheating. But that's muddy waters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, again, I, I left out Isle of Dogs. I left out Fantastic Mr. Fox. Some some films I love. This would this you I could do twenty movies that, that are in this category and just have oodles of fun. But Rango, Rango is 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 mine as far as I'm concerned. You know, dirt is my home <laughs> <laughs> from beginning to end. I'm smiling ear to ear, just having a grand old time. I think the movie is stunning. The way it's animated is is just absurd. They spent $135 million on this movie, and it fucking shows. That's crazy. There's a lot of great movies that go don't spend near that much money, you know, live action movies. This movie said, you know, Gore Verbinski and company, Paramount Pictures, Nickelodeon movies, they decided this is going to be an epic tale. Whether it whether it's seen or not, or whether it's understood or not, whether people really get it or not. It's we're going to do this. This is happening. And I'm so happy that it did 10 years ago now. And the way it's changed in my mind from really liking it when it came out in theaters, just because it's fucking funny and a really, really good story to the homage it's paying to some of my favorite movies of all time. The Chinatown shout out is so important to me. And when you watch it now and you're watching Ned Beatty's performance as the mayor, you're like, oh, God, that's fucking Noah Cross. <laughs> that, is, that, that is John Huston. He's conjuring up 
every ounce that he can to be John Houston from Chinatown, one of the most evil characters that, that from the past 50 years in, in, in movies. And I, I mean, I could go on and on about every scene I love to death. I love the idea of going from one spot in life to a totally different one and making up your entire identity making up everything about you saying you killed seven people in one <laughs> in one fucking go and making up your own name you know he he's rango's looking at a bottle and it says durango and he covers the d and the u and he's like i'm rango <laughs> you know? and i i think it's my favorite thing johnny depp has ever fucking done the life that he gives to rango no one else could quite do because they're not they're not willing enough they're not willing enough and, and he showed it over over the course of his career, you know, he shows it in Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. He shows it in Pirates of the Caribbean. He shows it in Sweeney Todd. But this is the culmination of all of those things. And Gore Verbinski understands that. Johnny Depp understands that. Um, for fuck's sake, Harry Dean Stanton is on, the, is on the voice cast of this movie. That stuff matters, man. It matters to me as a movie fan. It matters to me just as a, someone who wants to be rewarded when watching something so this is a straight you know beeline to a 10 it's it's not there's no question in my mind about it it's I, I, honestly all five of these are tens in my in my mind all five of these movies i've talked about today i i have so much passion for each one but rango is like i i will go to the grave with that with that fucking movie and i've owned it for quite some time it's been on my shelf for 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 a while unlike some of these other ones but um this past watch, you know, and I watched it last night for this show. I was like, hell yeah, this is, I am so glad I picked this. I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this movie. I'm so glad Connor's finally being able to see it. And I'm so, so happy that it exists. Uh, I, it has to be a number, my number one. Fantastic Planet moves me in a way different way, but Rango makes me do everything I want in a, in, in a movie. It, it scares me. It makes me laugh my ass off. It just kind of makes my eyes do that thing that you love when, when they do, when they just, when people say they're glued to the screen, Rango really does that where you're like, what in the hell is that? Is that a frog smoking a cigar? Serving alcohol? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You know, uh, as I get older, I just love it more and more. I think people can have its issues with it not being a kid's movie. That's fine. But as an adult and you watch this movie, how can you not fall in love? It is, it's one of my favorite Westerns ever. You know, it's, it's just every genre that it picks at. I, I, I have so much respect for, I think it borderline is making fun of it, but also saying, no, I'm tipping my hat to it. And knowing, knowing when to, you know, stay on that line and cross it, stay on that line and teeter. Rango does it the best. Uh, God, I love this movie. It's on Netflix right now. Please go watch it. Come back and listen to the rest of this episode. This is this is definitely a, a tip of the cap, wag of the finger to the Western genre. Uh -huh. This is a celebration, uh -huh. a massive, like, this is a nod. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, it's making fun of a couple things. But how do you not? You know, Westerns are, are larger than life. They're crazy. They're weird. They're ridiculous sometimes. But they're also, you know, heroic adventures. And this yeah. is a heroic adventure. And really fun. Uh and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's really cool. This ended up being your number one. Uh, 
I, I kind of knew the whole time, you know, I kind of knew, but then watching it last night, I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> there's no one that no, no movie. It's going to be very hard for a film to take that away. And in, in, in my mind, uh, just, I just feel like it's bred for fans like me. I, I feel like it was, it was supposed to be seen by, by fans like myself and, and you and people who love, love watching movies. Fuck yeah. Fantastic. Let's uh, let's recap. Yeah. So you have Chicken Run, yep. Shrek, Road to El Dorado, Iron Giant, and Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. Yep. I have Kirikou and the Sorceress, Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker, A Scanner Darkly, Fantastic Planet, and Rango. So we have one overlap. My four here. One. You gotta love that Batman is the one that meshes us together. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck yeah i i adore batman i got nothing you know no qualms about that i he's the man he's the batman yeah I, I would like to uh quickly shout out um some other ones real quick like uh like Annalisa, like uh a movie that came out this past you know during this year mitchell's versus machines fucking fantastic movie uh non-disney um kubo and the two strings uh what else do I like here? I, I mean, other Batman ones like Batman Under the Red Hood, Jesus Christ, uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1, Part 2, Good Lord. Those are fantastic. Uh, I love some like Cartoon Network movies that they used to do back in the day, like the Dexter's Lab one is fucking awesome. The Powerpuff Girls one is awesome. Uh, the Ed and Eddie movie is fantastic. So yeah, I, we could go forever on this. Yeah, we really could. I like to shout out uh, the only movie I struggled to not put in my top five, uh, other than Osmosis Jones, uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Oh, yeah, we were both rocked by that one. I mean, just was that violent as can be. (laughs) My Lord, that movie was a delight. My God, that was the, you know, the Avengers Endgame of DC's animated universe and quite a spectacle. Also on Disney, I mean, on uh, HBO Max. So, you know, go nuts. Yeah, that one, that one will blow you away. That's like watching Street Fighter for like an hour and a half. People just getting fucking stomped and just sliced up. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. You can't believe what you're saying. You're like, wait, what? And Why that's is just this not in the live action? And that's just in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. I mean, the rest of it's the fucking fallout. Yes. And it's, it's great. It's such a brilliant idea. And, oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to schedule that for a for a film gasm at some point oh yeah got to <laughs> got to talk about the whole the whole we've barely stretch. touched that like we've got, i don't think we've done any of, other than that like joker weird shit wednesday we did we have, i don't think we've done any of the animated uh dc movies well, let's change that what the yeah. fuck <laughs> yeah well you know um all of us are able to you know josh caleb myself and you are able to kind of make personal picks i think it's time i think it's time to kind of put some of those in there just for just for shits and giggles i mean what yeah. like why can't batman beyond return of the joker get its get its own two hours to just rave about it i think the real question is why hasn't it already yeah after almost 200 goddamn episodes yeah yeah <laughs> fucking bring it <laughs> oh man i love it i love it that was a blast i love doing these top fives you get to know each other a little bit more and again talk about your passions so uh, that's fantastic but uh we'll turn our attention to um uh, some some individuals that worked on Rango. Some people who have been nominated by, by the Academy. I want to start with Gore Verbinski. 
Gore Verbinski, his only nomination and only win is, is Rango. Obviously, he's the director of it, uh, producer. But this guy, uh, you know, he directed the first three parts of the Caribbean movies. So that's important to us. And those movies were up for stuff. He wasn't up for best director. Eh, rightly so. But those movies are awesome. Those first three kick ass. Yeah, for a spectacle-based movie, you know, based on a fucking theme park ride. Those three yeah. movies are gold. I love the first three Pirates movies. And it is, you know, larger than life, fantasy, epic. And while, you know, Gore Verbinski doesn't really put much of a personal spin on him. I mean, he really, he does the job. They are, they do what, what they're, you know, intended to do. And their league's better than four and five. I don't even watch those anymore. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, the, the visual effects of Davy Jones still look amazing. Uh Expensive movie. I think about that. I think Dead Man's Chest was like the most expensive movie ever made up at, up to that point. That makes sense. Yeah, you can tell the, the money went to a good place there. But yeah, Verbinski killed it with those. I'm seeing here that I didn't know he, he directed Mouse Hunt. Yeah, and The Ring. <laughs> Shit, did he do The Ring? Oh my yeah, god! Two, 2002's The Ring is directed by Mr. Gore Verbinski. Yeah, pretty what crazy. An, what an odd career. <laughs> yeah, and then he, and he wins he, an Oscar for Rango. He also directed uh, the Mexican, starring Brad Pitt, Julie Roberts, James Gandolfini, and J.K. Simmons. What the hell? <laughs> Pretty crazy career. I think you can look back to uh, 1995. He directed a commercial called Budweiser Frogs, and that's where Rango was truly born. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah, I have to kind of shout out his career and what he means to, you know, just just cinema in general. When you have a trilogy like that, that you've had your imprint on, like the Pirates movies, uh, that's a big deal. Those movies made a shit ton of money and are still relevant, still hold up. That first one is like, fuck, it's, like, it's just a good movie. Uh, and like you said, Dead Man's Chest, you know, Davy Jones is a frightening villain and looks so fucking cool as a kid and still does today. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for, for Mr. Verbinski. And I know that from the research I've done on Rango all along, he wanted to do this. He wanted to make Rango. He did those other movies so that he knew no matter what I can convince anyone I can make this movie. We'll spend as much money as we need to on this animated film that I've always wanted to make, always wanted to work with Johnny Depp on this. So he, did what he had to do, you know. He played. He played the game. He played the game and did that. Those monster pirates movies, and they ended up being pretty damn good. So I, I think it's a win-win for the fans and for him. It's hilarious. Pirates was just a means to an end for this yeah. guy. That's <laughs> these. Yeah, these directors. They really want. There's always something there that they're like, oh, I got to do. I got to do this. So if I have to do that to make it, I will. And I'll put every little ounce of passion and skill I have into it so that it's damn good. So I know I can do this later. That's that's so cool. But he always wanted to make Rango. He's clearly a huge Western fan, huge movie guy, and and loves the epic. Oh yeah, for sure. He followed Rango up with the Lone Ranger, which admittedly I think's underrated. It's I, okay. It's okay. It's a fun movie. It's not a masterpiece, but it's a fun movie. I mean, admittedly, you've got a probable rapist and Johnny Depp as a Native American. So that's hard yeah. to get past that. But, but Tom Wilkinson's damn good in it. And William Fickner as like a psycho outlaw. I mean, and I did, 
I'm not going to lie. When I saw the Lone Ranger and Hans Zimmer's car, I know, version of the Lone Ranger theme started playing, I got chills. I won't lie. Oh, yeah. Same. <laughs> same. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer, talk about the, the friendship that him and Verbinski have, you know. Good yeah. Lord. Some of this stuff, you know, like Davy Jones, you know, uh, like basically theme song is just one of the best things he's ever done. Dead Man's Chest may, it is there's an argument for that to be my favorite Zimmer score. That what he did with Davy Jones and the Kraken especially is oh. beautiful. It's creepy. I, it's elegant. It's dramatic. It's larger than life. It's perfect. I think I want to watch those. I think I want to watch that trilogy again. Those first three just kind of, I keep calling it a trilogy, even though there's more after it. I just kind of, it it's a trilogy. Fuck them. Yeah. yeah. It's not Verbinski. It's not Verbinski anymore. He, he was like, I'm done. I'm done. I've done three. I'm out. They're good. Um, I'm leaving it there. Whoever the fuck else wants to make money, go ahead and take it. I got to do other shit. <laughs> I wish he, I wish he would have stuck around because he could have made a all time franchise. You know, he could have he could have kept that thing going to be one of the better franchises of all time. And it's how just you, tainted. How do you take a movie that has Ian McShane as Blackbeard and then another movie that has Javier Bardem as a ghost pirate captain? And how, how do you fuck those up? How do you make those boring? I don't, I don't know. Just God. ask those fuckers that, that messed it up. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks when that happens, but again, gotta be grateful for those first three and just what they offered. Uh, I think one and two are, are, are amazing. Third one's pretty good, but those first two are just like jaw dropping. Third one's and third one's my favorite. Uh, really? Because of the, I, I love conclusions I love the the Maelstrom battle between the Black Pearl and the Flying Dutchman. I yeah. love Beckett getting blasted to hell. I love the whole pirate code thing, like the 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 um the Brethren Court, that whole thing. Keith Richards is like Jack Sparrow's dad. It's there's so many moments in part three that just gave, made me smile. And honestly, I, I I'll just watch that one on its own sometimes. Yeah. It's, oh. <laughs> Those are great yeah. movies. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. And we could do, you know, we could do a, a Pirates episode one day and really, really, really talk about them and really figure out what we love about, about that storytelling and which characters are our favorites. Uh, so cool. Uh, speaking of more parts of the Caribbean stuff, Johnny Depp. Ah. Johnny Depp is the next guy I want to talk about. He has three nominations uh, altogether. Uh, 2003, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, uh, Best Actor in a Lead Role. Uh, Finding Neverland, 2004, Best Actor in a Lead Role. And then 2007, Sweeney Todd, Best Actor in a Lead Role. So those are his three nominations. Pretty solid little resume for him. Three amazing movies. And I personally, I think he should be here for Ed Wood as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, maybe some other stuff. But uh, you know, Black Mass is a favorite. But um, um, yeah, those three daunting. are Yeah. Those three are good Um a good bunch to be nominated for. And I just, I love that he was up for Jack Sparrow. That's just, that's great. <laughs> I think he should have been up for Rango. <laughs> <laughs> they should uh, have a best voice, perf- like vocal performance category. That's hard work. They, they should do that. Oh, hell yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about doing animated movies on Oscar Sundays. We do have the PSH and we give it out to one of those people that gave a great vocal performance in our eyes. I, yeah, just the Academy, obviously, 
has a lot of issues, but you, there's like little cool things they could do to just enhance it to a whole new experience. And I think giving more, you know, praise to the animated genre is one of those things. Yeah. But as we've seen in the past, progress in the Academy is a 10 to 15 year slog that often doesn't end up getting the result we want. <laughs> so correct. Yeah. 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 Change is hard to come by or doesn't come at all. Right. That's uh, definitely what the Academy lives by. Uh, <laughs> um, next person I want to talk about uh, before we get to uh, the legend himself, I want to talk about Abigail Breslin, who plays Priscilla in Rango. Abigail Breslin has one nomination for her role, supporting role, in Little Miss Sunshine. How about that? A movie that we covered a long time ago on this show. Long, long time ago. Definitely a personal favorite of mine. And, and uh, I don't know if Abigail's doing the best work in that movie, but she's damn good. Damn good. Tony Collette, obviously, is unbelievable. Alan, Mr. Alan Arkin got to be there. He was incredible in that movie. Uh, I mean, Steve Carell. Uh, for fuck's sake, Brian Cranston in the little bits he's in is, yeah. is, in, is incredible. Uh, uh, Dean Norris, the little bit he's in is fantastic. I love, I love every scene of Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> I love when he pulls him over. He's like, oh, I love these. <laughs> and you're like, that's Hank. That's fucking Hank, dude. He went from being like a little, little patrol guy to, to being in the DEA. <laughs> he's been a cop his entire career. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Little Miss Sunshine has, you know, if you follow this show, you know that we like to kind of make the titles kind of cute, something to do with the movie. Uh, <laughs> Little, Miss Shun- Little Miss Sunshine is my favorite title I- we've ever done on this show. The name of that episode is, is there a funeral home around here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is such a great, that was before we were doing the awards. But if we had been, that would have been my, my Philip Seymour, I mean, my uh, Tarantino. Because yeah. it's just such a weird fucking question. Hey, is there a funeral home around here? Yes. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that is one of the movies. You know, we didn't start doing the awards until what? Episode like 18, 19. Hamlet, somewhere. I think, was the first one. Episode, that was episode 16. Yeah. So like, it's, we have this chunk of really cool movies like Pulp Fiction and Rocky and Little Miss Sunshine and On the Waterfront where we weren't giving out awards yet. And uh, it's a damn shame. Yeah. Ah, you know, well, you know, it's a learning process. You all live this, and you learn. Yeah. You live and you learn. And yeah, it, it just made sense to finally add awards. Cause it's, you know, an award show podcast. So yeah. uh, got, gotta love that. Yeah. Luna sunshine. I, I'll take any chance I get to talk about that movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, she, Abigail Breslin was, um, was in Stillwater earlier this year. Mm. Uh, really, really good movie, uh, overly long, but a decent watch, uh, kind of a murder mystery. She played, uh, Matt Damon's daughter. Who's, um, convicted of murdering her roommate and, um, her kind of, you know, the, did she do it thing is looming over the whole movie and I won't spoil it, but it is quite a moment of like, Oh fuck. And, uh, definitely one worth checking out. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, what's worth checking out? Fucking network from 1976. <laughs> Mr. Ned, Mr. Ned Beatty, rest in peace. He's mm. uh, no longer with us. Uh, just passed away in June of this year uh, at age 83. And 
he of course was nominated for best supporting actor for that movie uh network he's incredible in that just like everybody is just a fantastic watch his work as the mayor in rango is is one of the touches of the movie that that makes it go to a whole different stratosphere in my mind i mean he is doing his in your review you wrote he's doing his best john houston you know impersonation and Gore Verbinski clearly wanted to shout out some of the plot points of Chinatown, a, a, you know, maybe Roman Polanski's masterpiece, maybe one of his masterpieces. Uh, there's direct dialogue, you know, control the water, you know, <laughs> you, you, you control the people. Uh, I love that part of Rango and Ned Beatty does such a wonderful job of portraying this slimy mayor when they're playing golf. Oh, that scene is like, fuck, you know, and Rango's kind of figuring some stuff out, you know, and it's like, uh, what's going on here? You know, like what, what's really happening. And that conversation between them two while he's playing and, you just can't help yourself but fall in love with who is this guy who's voicing this guy holy shit it's ned Beatty, you know and this this all-time legend who at the time was 73 years old when this movie came out rango and is just giving it all he's got and you got to respect that got to respect that he's uh definitely a contender for the psh award you know with this and then the year previous as lotso in toy story 3 it really makes me wish that in his career, Beatty had done more voice work because he was mm. fucking lights out as yeah. these larger than life villains. Uh, he's definitely a guy whose career I need to see more of. I Every time I saw him, I liked him. Yes. And uh, like, I've got to watch Deliverance. I, I, it's, it's kind of been looming over me. I'm, I'm going to have to watch that at some point. Uh, and just, you know, his various like Rudy. I have never seen I've never seen Rudy. Oh, Rudy's great. Yeah. It's a, uh, he's just one of those guys who's like kind of been around forever and given so many just epic performances. And for Rango to be one of his last is pretty cool. Uh, and to just to channel John Houston and play, you know, Noah Cross if he was a goddamn turtle. Yeah. <laughs> the same costume and everything. It's so, I immediately I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a brilliant, brilliant touch, and his commitment to it is is, is amazing. Just like the movie itself, I, I ha- have to shout him out. He's the last uh, performer here that we'll be talking about. Uh, so it's Johnny Depp, Abigail Breslin, Ned Beatty. Really random group of people that have all been touched by the Oscars and uh, have yeah. gotten nominations. None of them have won, but they've all been nominated. So uh, really, really cool stuff. Now, we got four more people I want to talk about before we... Uh, scan through the uh, 84th Academy Awards. The first one has to be John Logan. Uh, he wrote the proper screen- screenplay for uh, Rango. Uh, Gore Verbinski is a storyboard guy, more more so. And the actual words you're hearing are are John Logan's. You know, it's John Logan's work. And a guy who, again, just like Verbinski, clearly loves movies and shouting out old movies. And when I looked at his, uh, I, I was like, I, I know that name. What is that name? You know, like, what else has he done? And I looked at his, uh, his resume here and you're like, oh shit, there's a lot of cool movies. And then you look at his, uh, look at his uh, Oscar 
nominations. He's, he has three nominations altogether. First one, Gladiator, 2000. Best screenplay written directly for the screen. The Aviator, 2004. Best screenplay written for directly for the screen. <laughs> and Hugo, uh, best adapted screenplay, 2011. What the fuck? <laughs> and this is the guy who, who goes and writes Rango. So he does Rango and Hugo in the same year, 2011. What more could you want from a guy who's working with, uh, working with animation? <laughs> awesome. I think this guy clearly uh, wanted to make some kids movies that year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hugo is, is a pretty decent flick. Uh, my only real gripe with it is how much of a dick Ben Kingsley is at the beginning. And then it's never really addressed <laughs> the total character shift about halfway through. But um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, it's a decent movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Decent but, stuff. How, how about Skyfall 2012? How about that? How about that? That's that's also his screenplay. Yeah, and Spectre. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. Uh, what else? What else is on here? I mean, his resume is like loaded. Alien Covenant. I uh, oh. worked on the TV show Penny Dreadful. The Last Samurai. Uh, what? Yeah. Jesus, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> what Fucking a hell of a crazy. resume. Any given Sunday. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very cool stuff. I, this is one of my favorite parts of doing the show. Is kind of a. Uh, learning without even trying you know you're just like oh I'll just look at this guy who wrote rango and then all of a sudden oh you put all these pieces together and you got a hell of a writer yeah damn and you know the writing is super strong in rango and you know i love this guy isn't just like a hollywood's you know spec guy he's he's a storyteller he's a vibrant storyteller mm-hmm. i mean skyfall you know after quantum was a breath of fresh air for the bond franchise you know to show like a old withered bond who's kind of past his prime and is still wondering like can i still do this and you know this it's one of the you know bond isn't usually addressed like that it's just with the bond franchise especially it's more of a cut and paste and you're done kind of deal when it comes to the screenplay but to explore the character like that was brilliant and uh well done mr logan yeah yeah okay that's a name that's a name that's easy to remember john logan and uh, I will not be forgetting. Uh, here, here's another guy that I made some uh, made some connections. He's a definitely an artist. Uh, he has done some production design, some art direction, some visual effects. His name is John Bell. He's the art director for Rango and Jurassic Park. Oh, god damn! Well done. Uh, man. A lot of visual effects work. Uh, Rogue One, Star Wars, uh, The Revenant. G.I. Joe Retaliation, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, The Rocketeer, Back to the Fucking Future Part 2 and 3, and was nominated for Best Visual Effects, uh, Back to the Future Part 2. So how about that? His resume, his, his, four, his four movies, like when you look on IMDb, are Back to the Future Part 2, Jurassic Park, Rango, and Congo. What more could you want? Come on. God, Back to the Future 2 and 3, Visual Effects Supervisor. Thanks. <laughs> yeah i yeah yeah you, you, my yeah. god <laughs> gotta shake that man's hand yeah that's cool congo is an it's kind of despised but i i think that movie's pretty interesting uh i i do too people think it's just like a straight up piece of shit and i i don't know i, I don't think it's that shitty i would love to see you you uh you guys maybe talk about it on a future show maybe i don't know well you know me i've always had 
weird problems with oddly misshapen monkeys. So <laughs> this movie, you know, spoke to me a little. It got a little under my skin. That's not a surprise. <laughs> so yeah, it'll oh, come up. Thanks, evolution. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I I saw his name and kind of looked at his just his resume real quick, and I was like, holy shit, this is this is crazy. Back to the Future and Rango and Jurassic Park, like. I mean, what a life this guy's had. So very, very cool. Um, let's see. We got two more guys. Two guys who have an argument to be the best in their craft. Uh, I don't know who to start with. So uh, let's go music. Let's go Hans Zimmer. Hans you made Zimmer, the right choice. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Finish <laughs> it off with Mr. Uh, yeah. Mr. Cinematographer. Uh, Hans Zimmer. If you don't know the name, I don't know how, you know, he's one of, he's, he's up there with like John Williams, where it's like, you know, a few names in the music world, uh, as far as scores go in movies. And Hans Zimmer is one of those, uh, we're definitely going to, going to go ahead and go through his, uh, Oscar nominations, but it, it just doesn't even touch what he's done for the movie industry altogether. You know, uh, he's, he's kind of a Titan when it comes to this stuff. Uh, 1988. He was nominated for Rain Man, uh, 1994, win for Lion King, uh, 1996, The Preacher's Wife, nominated, uh, 1997, As Good As It Gets, nominated, uh, 1998, The Thin Red Line, nominated, 1998, again, The Prince of Egypt, nominated, uh, 2000, Gladiator, nominated, 2009, Sherlock Holmes, nominated, 2010, Inception, nominated, 2014, Interstellar, nominated. And 2017, Dunkirk, nominated. So this guy has won one time for Lion King, but his his work, all of this, the stuff he's done, his craft is worth so much more. I mean, listen to those movies. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know, it's not even touching a lot of the other films that are on his, you know, are, are in his, within his credits. He's just a dynamite composer. And a guy that I listen to in my spare time all the time. If he was going to win just one, I'm, I'm glad he won it for The Lion King. <laughs> That's, that, make, that makes sense, right? The score of that movie is beautiful. But this guy is a master. I read somewhere that he was self-taught. I don't know if that's true. I believe uh, it. I'll take it. I, I mean, I know you've got some... You're not the biggest fan of Inception. But I'm, a recent, right. I'm a recent convert. <laughs> But, it's entertaining, uh, that's for sure. The score of that movie, though, is brilliant. Time, time, the the piece, the the piece at the very end of the film might time. be his greatest feat ever. I can't listen to that bit without getting a little teary eyed. That is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Dream is collapsing is my favorite one off that score. The Interstellar score is something else as well. Oh, first step is beautiful. I know the names of the bits of the soundtrack with Hans yeah, Zimmer. Yeah, that's it's, that's why Hans Zimmer's. Just that special, yeah. On my iPod from The Lion King, King of Pride Rock, one of my favorite scores oh, of all time. Yeah, Simba yeah. ascending the you know Pride Rock, becoming king. This you know looking up to see Mufasa in the sky. It's oh god. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the the guy has two hundred and twenty credits as a composer. So. Yeah, have fun. Have fun. You know, just looking at that stuff. Yeah, he's become you know kind of Christopher Nolan's guy. He did the the music for the the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. 
which yeah. was his br- <laughs> breathtaking. His uh, his bit, aggressive expansion. The oh, Joker's like, theme uh-huh. is so minuscule, like you know, minimal, but it's beautiful. It's it perfectly like it's the soundtrack to chaos. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even you know, like in the Dark Knight Rises, his like uh, Gotham's Reckoning is such mm. a great track. I, oh, man, um, he raises everything. Yes, he does. He ra- he ra- like he does his job so so well. Uh, God, he doesn't get brought up enough. You know, we haven't done enough of, of his movies, but I, it's so cool that Rango <laughs> is the one that we're really able to. You know, have we done any other Hans Zimmer? Films? Um, surely, I, I don't think so. Uh, we haven't. This is the first time I think we've really talked about him on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, and this is the guy. This is the guy who did Twelve Years a Slave, you know, and like you said, the the Dark Knight trilogy and Parts of the Caribbean, and he's he's he's, he's the guy who's doing Dune, D- Denis Villeneuve's Dune that's coming yeah. out coming out next next month. Like, fuck, this guy's just been a rock star for so long. He's done a lot of films we've talked about as like prep, like. You know, just that come up on the show. Like he did Shark Tale, he did Matchstick Men, mm. um, he did Ridley Scott, yeah, uh, Gladiator, The Road to El Dorado, uh, The Prince yep. of Egypt, Muppet Treasure Island. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy. What the hell? <laughs> it's amazing. I love his. Uh, like, I think The Da Vinci Code is such an underrated, uh, underrated movie to start with. But the score to that movie is beautiful. Uh, yeah. So just. He's he's one of those guys who's provided so much incredible music to the industry. And I love that he's still going. He's not retired or anything. Like he like you said, he's doing Dune, which I'm becoming less and less excited about due to Denis Villeneuve's, you know, disparaging comments towards various directors, which I think is a shit move. It is but, a uh, very shit move, yeah. So I might see that one at home just to spite the guy, but whatever. I'm excited. The music in the trailer is beautiful, and I'm assuming he did that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think. I think one of my one of my personal favorite things he's done is uh, his score on True Romance, 1993. Uh, there's some stuff in there that's shouting out like old 70s films, and it's just like, God, how the fuck do you do this? How do you have all of this knowledge to just to just do that like uh, i don't i don't is, understand is true romance that bouncy kind of i have had that stuck in my head for like six months i've been trying to figure out what the fuck that's from it's true romance yeah. oh my yeah, god it is it is true romance it's uh it's it's taken from uh it's like basically copying uh uh what's it called terrence malick's film from the 70s uh badlands uh, 1973, I believe. Let me make sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like essentially that that same kind of and it's just like, what the fuck? This is great. I love movies. <laughs> yeah, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, he's the man. Had had to uh, kind of give him his flowers, right? He's just one of the best in the business. Yeah, maybe you know, argument could be made for the best. I think it's really between him and john williams well you know i would throw alan silvestri thomas newman like these guys into the mix yeah. it, it, it's it's zimmer versus williams for the goat let's be honest here yeah as far as most stuff you know they've just worked constantly whether it be films like true romance or parts of the caribbean you know these monster epic films that make shit tons of money and everybody is going to hear the score that you know he can do both <laughs> 
Oh yeah. It's sometimes you forget just how many films he's had his hands in and yeah, it's pretty breathtaking. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, you gotta love it. This next guy, uh, it's, you could say the exact same things we just said about him. Uh, the cinematographer for Rango is in my opinion, from what I've, the research I've done, it's, it's either him or Emmanuel Lubieski for the goat of all time. When it comes to cinematography, it's Mr. Roger Deakins. We have our biggest award of this show named after him. Uh, the guy is just perfect. He's just perfect. Totally understands, understands every film he works on. He never fucks up the movie around same with Hans Zimmer the movie around him could be fine, but that part is always like a plus, uh, like just out of this, out of this fucking world. Roger Deakins uh, has two wins as a cinematographer should have a lot more uh, probably uh, his, his resume is fucking incredible. It starts off with the Shawshank Redemption, 1994 nomination, Fargo, 1996 nomination, uh, Kundun 1997 nomination. Oh brother, where art thou? 2000 nomination. The man who wasn't there. 2001 nomination. No country for old fucking men. <laughs> 2007 nomination. Uh, the coward. Uh, sorry, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. 2007 nomination. How the fuck do you work on No Country and Jesse James in the same year? Like, what? What is even wrong with you? You know. <laughs> uh, the Reader, uh, 2008, nomination. True Grit, 2010, nomination. Very underrated movie. Skyfall, 2012, nomination. Prisoner, speaking of Dennis, uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, 2013, nomination. Unbroken, 2014, nomination. Uh, Sicario, 2015, nomination. And his two wins come from his latest uh, nominations, which is Blade Runner, 2049, and 1917. Got the dub for both of those. Obviously, works with people uh, multiple times. You know, Denny Villeneuve and him are are definitely have a have a good good little uh, chemistry there. And of course, the Cohen brothers. You know, this is the guy. This is the guy who is in charge of the camera when it comes to the big fucking Lebowski. You know, a movie that got completely shut out by the Oscars and now looks like fucking morons when you look back. You're, you're telling me Shakespeare in Love is better than Big Lebowski? You know, just stop. Just stop. And I think my favorite part of The Big Lebowski is how wonderfully it's shot, how gorgeous it is. And it has, it doesn't need to be that way. The story is so good. The acting is so good. It doesn't need that extra juice, but it has it. It has it. And it's Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins is, I, I, there's no words to really describe his impact on film. What he's done behind the camera is nothing short of art and everlasting legacy. Mm. I mean, there's a reason we named our big award after this guy. I mean, I, <laughs> he really is an incredible artist. I mean, there's no other way to describe the guy. What he's done is so neat, but you can always kind of tell a Deacon's movie. It's weird. He's got a style that is kind of indescribable, but if you're paying attention, you can see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you like it's if it's good, you're you're gonna guess. Is this Deacons? <laughs> in in two thousand eight, he does Doubt, The Reader, and Revolutionary Road. What? What's wrong with this guy? Oh, God, 
he's insane. He's absolutely insane. And when I <laughs> heard about him and read about him, oh, this guy's the greatest. This guy's the greatest. I, I was like, oh, well, well, you know, well, what does the director of photography do? Oh, and then you realize, then you realize as you start watching the films and putting them together, like you said, it's a style. It's a distinct style. And he's able to, my favorite thing about him is that he's been able to advance himself with time. You look at Lebowski, again, 1998. And then you look at 1917 from 2019. You're like, what? What on earth? This guy's upped his game. He's upped the ante. Because he's, he's like, I, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to get better. I'm willing to, I'm willing to work with new cameras, with new material, new resources, because I want to be the best. I want to be as good as I can at my job. Really cool. And that's the mark of a true artist, somebody who's constantly honing their craft to make it as good as it possibly can be. I mean, there you go. That's Roger Deakins. I mean, I think he's a significant part of why the Coen brothers have such a signature look and feel to their films. hundred percent. It's yeah. When, pe- when people say, when people say the Coen brothers films, I'm like, it's the Coens and Deakins. That's <laughs> you cannot leave his name out. You betcha. God. Yeah. <laughs> God damn right. Oh man. Oh yeah. Had to kind of finish it off with him. I think uh, talking about these individuals, you know, Gore Verbinski, Johnny Depp, Abigail Breslin, Ned Beatty, John Logan, John Bell, Hans Zimmer, and Roger Deakins, a very eclectic group, all kinds of different people uh, that mean all kinds of different things to the, the craft that we love. And Deakins is right there with Zimmer in importance to, to just the history of, of cinema. So God bless him. God bless him. Uh, he's, he's, he's pretty old. I think he's 70, 71, 72, somewhere in there. And you, you just, you know, when a guy's getting really old, you're like, Oh man, you know, we're, you got to appreciate them while they're here. You have to. Deegan's though, feels like one of those guys who's going to be working well into his nineties. Like this is a guy <laughs> who feels ain't going that way. anywhere. I mean, have you seen the, the, the footage of him and Sam Mendes working on 1917 is like, this is fucking bone chilling, you know? And he's like, he's out there with a hat on just fucking like getting after it. Like he's like, he's 20 years old. And he's like, let's do this. Let's do this tracking shot. Let's fucking, you know, let's fucking go. And I, yeah, I have so much respect for him. He's, he's taught me a lot about what director of photography means <laughs> and what cinematography means to, to movies, you know? And I, yeah. I, I love him. I love him for that. What I've just learned makes me very happy. Um, he was born in Torquay in England, and Torquay is the town that Faulty Towers takes place in. Mm. <laughs> there you go. I knew he was English. I didn't know he was from there. That's just, that's fantastic. It's, yeah, when... Um, there's an episode when Basil is dealing with a difficult customer who demand like a guest who demands, no, I wanted a better view. Like there's nothing out there. And she's, and he goes, that is Torquay, madam. Like, what did you expect to see? Sydney opera house, perhaps like it's Krakatoa not erupting at the moment. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I love it. Yeah. I demanded a seaside view. The sea is there between the land and sky. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love it, man. Uh, I just I just learned that Roger Deakins' next film is with Sam Mendes called Empire of Light, which stars Olivia Coleman. So sign me up. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, in development at the moment. So yeah, just fantastic stuff. Um, 
let's look at uh let's look at the 84th academy awards briefly just kind of talk about some 2011 shit before we uh do our awards because uh rango it wins the best animated feature but that's it you know that's all that's all it's got so there's a lot of movies here that are that are really interesting uh you know and i i have my my issues with some of the stuff but i do love some of the categories love some of the movies you and i uh well i know you watched all five films this week from the best animated ca- uh, category from this year yes. which is puss in boots kung fu panda 2 chico and rita a cat in paris and rango uh i i i chose to skip puss in boots because i've seen it not too long ago and same with kung fu panda 2 but i also watched chico and rita for the first time a cat in Paris for the first time and rewatched Rango. Um, let's real quickly. Why not? Fuck it. Let's uh, let's rank these real quick. Why not? Okay. So what's what, what, if you had to go go ahead and give your five to one and I'll I'll do mine. Okay. So all five of these were first time watches for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly growing. Um, yes. Number five is Puss in Boots. Same. I, just same. It was unnecessary. Should have been much better. I think he's a he's much better as a as a sidekick. Yes, he's meant to be a supporting character. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, number four is Kung Fu Panda Two. Same. I just didn't. I I liked the first one. I thought the second one. I honestly, it it, it made me fall asleep, and I was like, that's not a good sign. Does it does <laughs> it really need a sequel? No, nah, doesn't doesn't really need it. Yeah. Like, are you telling me that Poe is adopted? Oh my God, what a surprise! Yeah, <laughs> I wonder what his dad, the goose, had to say about that. <laughs> um, number four, I mean, number three is uh, Chico and Rita. Same here. <laughs> uh, it's La La Land. Uh, I think somebody, should, somebody should look into that. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a good movie. It's a very good. Yeah, the fir- like honestly, Puss in Boots and Kung Fu Panda two were the only two I didn't really care for, and I they were still both sevens for me. So they weren't terrible, but Chico and Rita uh, was a very vibrant, lively movie. And I was surprised at that. I don't really, you know, I, I, I spoke in my review about how we're kind of Americans are kind of told, you know, Disney and Pixar and then DreamWorks and now Illumination are kind of it for animated movies. That's what you're going to watch. If you want anything else, you're going to have to hunt it down yourself. Yeah. And I'm glad that Criterion had Chico and Rita and a cat in Paris because I was able to see these foreign uh, animated movies for the first time and see, you know, an, a little glimpse into, into another country's culture. And that's the best part of watching foreign cinema is seeing a little bit into another culture. And yes. uh, yeah, Chico and Rita was very, uh, I didn't expect it to be as adult as it was. I mean, goddamn. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. I, I mean, there's like a full nude nude scene in this movie, uh, like yeah. sex scene, and, and then there's like brutal, like authentic, raw scenes of of alcoholism and yeah, uh, you know the struggle of being uh, being an alcoholic, being a musician, and kind of struggling with your 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 place in the world, and the 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 change of backdrops from from uh, Cuba to las vegas to los angeles to paris to new york city it's like fucking it's this movie's booming uh i really really like this movie it's a solid eight uh i think i think people should seek this one out yeah me too uh it's yeah definitely one to watch 
Uh, my number two is a cat in Paris. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yep. I didn't expect to like that one because I've just the French films I've seen have been up up their ass and just pretentious and plotless and aimless and boring. And I was just like, here's an it's an hour or four, but it's going to feel like three. And I was I was dead wrong. This is a whimsical little adventure of a cat leading a double life that ends up fucking with a lot of people. <laughs> and it reminded me of like a Looney Tunes episode. Yes. It was, yeah. It was cute. S- slapstick. Yeah. yeah. It was funny. It was, it was nice. It was sweet. And I, I liked that. Uh, and then obviously number one's Rango. It, it, it deserved yeah. it. <laughs> straight up, straight up. This is a, this is an interesting category though. Uh, I think I agree with you. Those, those last two Kung Fu Panda two and Puss in Boots are both at like a seven, six or seven. Uh, just eh. like I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't really recommend them to somebody who's trying to watch a good movie. But Chico and Rita is an experience in itself and is the superior film to La La Land. Very La La Land is very similar uh, in its in its kind of storytelling devices. Uh, at one point, there's even like a scene where Rita is watching after Rita LaBelle becomes kind of famous and she's watching him play piano. It's like the exact same thing as the end of La La Land when uh, Emmett. <laughs> when Emma Stone's watching Ryan Gosling, I can't remember Emma Stone's name, but Ryan Gosling plays Sebastian in La La Land. And I think Mia. She's, I, I think that's right. Pretty yeah. sure that's right. And uh, Mia's watching Sebastian play, uh, play the piano. And she's just like, Oh shit, this guy's kind of hot, <laughs> you know? And, and Rita definitely thinks the same thing with, with Chico. And there's, there's a, a scene of like brutal violence uh, in the movie after a bad drug deal. And, just, just crazy. It's really crazy. I, I highly recommend this for, for, for movie watchers. And same with The Cat in Paris, man. Just that, that kind of raw 2D just looks like a piece of art. Looks like a, just looks like a painting. Yeah. I loved watching, uh, I loved watching the, 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 the cat burglar. <laughs> I loved watching him just kind of whom, like move his way around, uh, kind of like, kind of like Mr. Fantastic, you know, moving around these people. It, it was hilarious. My my favorite part was when he cut the power in the uh, the oh, house and was wandering God. through the dark, and that one guy lights a cigarette right in front, like, and he's right in his face, and, he, and the guy just blows out the match and disappears, and he's like, yeah. he's in the house, <laughs> <laughs> where is he? Yeah, and they they have no idea. I love that how they're all these like bumbling fools, all the gangsters, yeah. and he's and the the main gangster is like, oh, why do you you guys aren't cut out to be gangsters? Like, what's, what the fuck is going on? It's great. I had a blast with both of those. Uh, and then Rango is in a class of its own. I haven't seen it, but I am surprised that uh, the adventures of Tintin didn't get in here. A lot of people were surprised about that one. Yeah, that was definitely a uh, people took issue with that. Just like, wait a minute, this movie is amazing. Why is it? Why is it not here? And why is it not competing and winning? Yeah, I get why Cars 2 isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one makes sense. But it is I mean, one of the rare years where Pixar is completely shut out. That that does not yeah. happen very often. But when you're going to make I, Cars 2, that's going to be that year. I think it's actually the only time, you know, since they could compete in the category. I, I was reading about that. I think it's the only one that didn't even get a nomination, which just makes sense. Damn. Yeah. Looking back, I was 2016, though. Was Finding Dory up? Oh yeah, for sure. Let me let me make sure, but I, I'm pretty pretty 100 on that one. I'll I'll, I'll find out right now. Like Finding that. Dory. I know Zootopia took home the gold, 
But I remember thinking, yes. like, it's weird that they're... I mean, yeah. No, it didn't. Oh, it was up for the BAFTA. That's it. Wow. Yeah. So that got Pixar got shut out then, too. So 2016 and 2011. Those are the two, two nothing years. I mean, yeah, even I know Brave got one, you know, obviously Inside Out. I wonder if The Good Dinosaur did. Let's look that one up. It, it didn't. It didn't. That's tough. But that was good 2014, dino- right? 2015 for The Good Dinosaur. Oh, so it had, yeah. the, it had Inside Out to go for. Oh, yeah. okay. That's why. I was going to say why. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they chose one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes Still, sense. That's, that's a hell of a track record. Oh yeah, they they've totally dominated uh, since the since it kind of came about for Monsters Inc. On they've just kind of kind of crushed that category. Yup. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I, I I love it. I love that you watched all five of these and uh, came out thinking Rango is the winner because it, it is. Uh, right away, right above. Uh, you know, I'm looking at just the simple Wikipedia page for the 84th Academy Awards. Right above animated as original screenplay. Uh, I mean, Midnight in Paris is fine, but it beats a separation, which just I, I have major issue with. Uh, a separation is one of the best movies at this ceremony, and I don't know how a soul could watch those two movies and pick Midnight in Paris over it. I, I like Midnight. It's, it's fun. I think it's a fun one. It's really cool to see these different artists come, come back to life. But it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, is it even Woody Allen's best work? Come on. Like, what's going on? I of that bunch of separations, the only one I have not yet seen, uh, which is unfortunate. you're you're gonna love it. Oh I know. man, that, <laughs> yeah, there's that, actually that's, there's that, few that's, films that's one. Say it again. There's few films here I haven't seen. I did when I did my big watch, I, I took down a good chunk of this particular show, yes, but uh, there's still a few here I haven't gotten to, which is unfortunate, yeah. So it's always nice to be able to get to those, uh, you know those those random ones uh, this this is a really cool uh performance uh, i wouldn't say all the performances are great but uh the people that won you know octavia spencer christopher Plummer, meryl streep uh of course the artist kind of dominates these 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 categories uh and that i remember as a kid that blew me away you know i was i was 16 when these movies came out and i was just like what the silent film <laughs> <laughs> And, then, and, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I wouldn't have chosen it to win all that stuff and win Best Director, win Best Picture, Best Actor, but it is a good movie. When I was 16, when this, when this Oscars went, like came out, I hadn't seen any of these movies. Like, none of them. I, I had seen a few. Like, I saw Descendants in theaters. Uh, I saw Moneyball in theaters, of course. Uh, uh, of course, the Tree of Life has become one of my favorites. I saw, oh, Growth of Dragon Tattoo, Rooney Mara. I saw that in theaters and was just totally blown away. I saw Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Gary Oldman nomination. I saw that in theaters too. A few of them. Oh, and Warrior. God, I fucking love Warrior. Nick Nolte, unbelievable performance in that. That movie's underrated as shit. Yeah, Warrior's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I've the only one. I, oh, I Bridesmaids! Saw, Surely you saw Bridesmaids. I, I didn't see that for a couple years until. Damn. Yeah, Bridesmaids is so good. I snuck into Bridesmaids because I was sixteen, right? <laughs> and I, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what happened. I went with a bunch of friends from school. There was like a big, big group of us, maybe twenty people. I, half of them I didn't even like, and we went to see Cars two. You know, because uh, that was the movie that was big and it's out and it's Pixar. Who doesn't like Pixar? You know. 
Yeah. And I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know. It started and I was like, this is dumb. This is boring. I don't want to watch this. So I was like, I wonder what else is playing. Like right now, I wonder what else is starting. And sure enough, me and my two buddies, Arnold and Chase, love you guys. We walked right, right across the hallway and Bridesmaids was just about to start. And we were like, we were like, fuck it. We were at, we were at Northwoods uh, here in San Antonio, Regal Northwoods. And we walked right in and it was like, it was like literally starting. Like the previews had just ended and we were like, let's go. And we watched Bridesmaids while all these other fuckers watched uh, Cars 2. So we went home like, yeah, we're the winners of the night. You know, we got to see a great, hilarious film that was centered around women. And like at that time, I, I hadn't seen a lot of great, I wasn't exposed to a lot of great comedies that were basically run by women. That movie kicks ass. God, I love it so much. It, it, it rightfully deserves that uh, original screenplay nomination. That's a great story. I love that. I never had the balls to, to sneak into a movie. I just, no. I, um, <laughs> I, I saw Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2, Transformers 3, oh, Real yeah. Steel, and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That is it. Ah, uh, drive. I didn't see drive in theaters, but God, yeah. drive is cool as hell. I'm glad that uh, now I've seen like 90% of these movies. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel good. Looking at them, you're like, oh, hell yeah. That one's good. That one's all right. That one's good. Yeah. Uh, I have, yeah. I mean, yeah. Harry Potter and Deathly Halls is cool to see here. I would love to do a Harry Potter movie on Oscar Sunday. It'd be really cool. That would be really fun. Be very <laughs> different, especially if we did part two. We could kind of do a whole wrap up of the, the franchise and what it means to us and give out awards to the final film. That'd be fun. Well, we, I mean, we did do most of that on a film episode a while back. Yes. That was a long time ago though. That was a long time. Ago. I think this and, time I'd like to do them as individual movies. Correct. Correct. We've already yeah. done the big wrap up. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't want to spend a ton of time on fucking chamber of secrets, but I well, was, that's, I'll, that one wasn't up for any Oscars. So we no, 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 no. I just want to shout all of them out, you know, get, get maybe, maybe, maybe rank all of them. Maybe do something like that. Instead of doing a top, instead of doing a top five, just rank the Harry Potter films. So what's your favorite uh, one to eight? Uh, That'd be, that'd be really cool. And then doing part two, kind of like really honing in on it, giving awards out to it. That'd be cool. We should do that one day. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm down. Hell yeah. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about from 84th Academy Awards? Um, I, I really need to watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, that's a Connor movie. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a Connor special. <laughs> I'll tell yeah. you what. I got to watch that one. The girl with the dragon tattoo and oh. Albert Nobbs. Those are the ones I, I want to prioritize. I haven't seen Albert Nobbs either. Yeah. But other than that, is there interesting? I would completely take the tree of life out of this. I don't care for that movie. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a, it's one of the rare uh, like you have it as like a five or some shit and I have it as a four and I have it as a 10 and it's like oh shit <laughs> we're different <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely one of the, the ones you can pinpoint uh, that one in faces John Cassavetti's 1968 we just are we think way differently about those movies <laughs> which I love I love when that happens because it's good it's good to not always agree like we do about, uh, you know, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always, good to, it's always good to remind people that we're not a goddamn hive mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm glad we can agree that Moneyball is the king. Yeah, that's the movie of this awards. That's a fucking it's, masterpiece. It's the movie of 2011 for me. It's like, you, you got to see that film. The cast, 
the direction yeah. from Bennett Miller. The story is so American. It's so like little guy versus big guy. We'll do whatever we have to rally the troops. And it's got America's favorite star, Brad Pitt, just crushing it. So fantastic stuff. I love it. Uh, but Rango, to me, I would put Rango in the best picture group. I just think it deserves a spot there. I think it's better than like half the movies that are in that group. And I'm super excited to give it awards right now. Yeah, let's do this. Oof. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. This has been a really fun episode. We're going to finish this off with uh, the Tarantino Award for best quote or best line from the film. Uh, the Ennio Morricone Award for best music moment. <laughs> We got Ennio Morricone giving out awards for Hans Zimmer. <laughs> How about that? Uh, and then or a Western the, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking a Clint Eastwood, uh, Sergio Leone. You know, <laughs> we got uh, uh, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for best performance. In this case, it's best vocal performance. And then we finally have the Roger Deakins talking about Roger Deakins himself. Best scene of the movie. So take it away, Connor, with your Tarantino. I have three for my Tarantino. Uh, totally, two, un- totally understandable. Two funny ones and one that I was really stunned by. Um, it's when, the first one is when they find the body of the doctor. Oh, man. Yeah. And somebody goes, suppose we should bury him. Somebody else goes, <laughs> I don't know. Birds got to eat, too. And then some other guy just yells out, circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had to pause for a minute. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And then um, when Rango's uh, talking about like a wound he got when um, Rattlesnake Jake, his brother, bit him and he lifts up his shirt and somebody just goes, ooh, that there's a belly button. Yeah, I don't know why, but that that really made me laugh. It has a few of those where it's just just so silly. <laughs> and I love it. And then my my third and my, my real uh, Tarantino comes from uh, from the mayor. When he's talking to Rango and he says, one day soon, all this is going to fade into myth. The frontier town, the lawman, the gunslinger, there's just no place for them anymore. We're civilized now. That's what the future holds. You can either be part of it or you can be left behind. Oof. And you know why? Because that is exactly what Morton says to Frank in Once Upon a Time in the West. (laughs) Yes, sir. Like, holy shit, we're back there again. And yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, this this is this movie knows exactly what it's trying to say here. It knows its audience and it's me. And I just had this like, oh, my God, moment. And it's really cool to see, you know, kind of the the moment where the West is no longer wild. It's, mm. it's cool. It's a great moment to kind of explore in the Western genre. And I'm, I think it's cool that Rango went there. Me, too. That's a great pick. I thought about that one for sure. I think that's probably the deepest quote from the film where if you do, if you're paying attention and you know, you know, you know, your Westerns, you know, you, you're just kind of taken aback. You're like, wait a minute. This is, this is a children's movie <laughs> <laughs> operating on a whole different wavelength than, than the rest. And, and it's stuff like that, that sets it apart. So great pick. Um, God. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking good. It makes me want to rewatch that scene for sure. <laughs> Really, really good. Uh, I chose kind of a comedic one from Rango. Um, he's speaking to Beans. <laughs> uh, he says, and it's just, uh, it's Johnny Depp doing Johnny Depp stuff where 
you know, like when he's in parts of the Caribbean and he's like, why is the rum always gone? You know, it's stuff, stuff like that. Only he can pull off. And he's, uh, he says, I couldn't help but notice you noticing me noticing you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I always like lose it in the, in that that moment. I always just crack up because his delivery is so good. And when you say it slowly, I couldn't help but notice you noticing me noticing you. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> pickup line. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, if you can go up to a, a girl that you think is attractive and actually say that the way he does, hats off to you. You deserve the world because <laughs> it's just it's so hard to have that you know, tip of the tongue, teeth and lips, like that quick bang, 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 like that Johnny Depp has. He's just, that's, that's like his talent. That's like his trademark is speaking in his own kind of dialect. It's really cool. Yeah, that's great. That's a great character moment for Rango. Right on. Uh, or, or when he is thinking in his own head and he's like, who am I? You know, and he's like, I, he's basically deciding I can create my own identity right now. And I'm going to <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> So awesome. I love that shit. I love that in movies. I love that storytelling. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I noticed, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hesitant to say it, but I did notice a little, there are a few similarities to shark tale in that, like vanquishing the, the big monster and becoming the town hero under false pretenses. But Rango did it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I understand that kind of, it's like shark tale wanted to be this you know simple classic type story inside of a kid's movie and rango's like no no no, it doesn't have to be inside of a kid's movie make make the kid's movie elevate to a whole nother level you know take it take it to 10 do it yeah we don't need you know racially stereotyped fish to make this work like i love that the yeah. townsfolk of rango are just you know western movie stereotypes you know the town doctor the town freak like the town fool the the mayor, the gunslinger. It's it it's all it all works. The bartender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, it's so cool. His posse fucking rules. Rango's posse is the shit. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love it. What's your Ennio Morricone award? Uh at first it was the music that was playing when the hawk is chasing Rango because it reminded me so much of the opening bit of Raising Arizona. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> However, up. that changed when I got a banjo rendition of Ride of the Valkyries. Yep. <laughs> yep. I was at first when the music like starts, you know, when it starts charging up and I'm like, oh, here we go. And then they start plucking the fucking banjo to the music. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Neither could neither can I, man. Neither can I. This score and the soundtrack combined is like is just heaven. It's just it's Austin Johnson's heaven. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man. I I love Hans Zimmer's ability to to meet wherever it needs to be met. He'll just meet it. It's so cool. And you have uh you know, like Rick Garcia, uh Herbert von Carhen, Carhan, uh all these different people. George uh, Del Hoyo, all these awesome artists that are like, they're so original and so much themselves. And in this movie, it just works perfectly. <laughs> like Rango's theme is so fucking awesome. <laughs> Rango. And this came out before Django. How about that? 
True, but it's probably paying homage to the '60s Django. It with is. All this it shit. is. It's, yeah, it still, just came out so before neat. Tarantino's. Yeah, yeah. So cool. <laughs> God, I love that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still. I'm really, honestly, deciding right now what my Ennio Morricone award is. I, I just, I love everything about this soundtrack and score, but I do think Hans Zimmer touch shines the brightest uh on the on the on the track uh rango returns when obviously he's going back to dirt and it's just epic it's just as good as anything you hear in the you know and it's it's just as good as the stuff you hear in batman's fucking rolling up in the nolan in the nolan trilogy like boom 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 it's just as good as that but it's this chameleon who's coming back to dirt after lying to all these all these different creatures and it's that moment with uh, Timothy Oliphant, you know, Spirit of the West, which is just a brilliant, brilliant scene. It's after that. And you're, you're just kind of, kind of struck by, by everything that's happening. You're like, oh my God, this movie's on top of everything. And I love that. I love that about it. I lo- again, I could talk about its commitment to the Western genre and what it's, what it's trying to do. Uh, for the animated genre uh, as a whole, just I could talk about it all day, and it's stuff like that where it's where it's just uh, it's just as good as any other piece of score you could hear, not just for an animated movie. It's really cool. Yeah, that's you know the power of Hans Zimmer is what yep. he can do. He elevates an animated film, which I personally don't think needs to be elevated. Like he doesn't need to prove anything, you know. Yeah, yeah, but to some it does and it it gives it that gravitas to be considered a classic you know he, he did it for the lion king and he did it for rango yeah straight up <laughs> very cool very cool god this is this is great love this movie uh philip Seymour hoffman award what do you got this is interesting because there's a lot of contenders here tons uh, yeah but i was not expecting bill nye as rattlesnake jake <laughs> <laughs> oh man where do you think i come from <laughs> oh my god he was terrifying <laughs> he has a minigun on his rattler <laughs> <laughs> but just like i didn't expect him to do like a you know a, a western kind of american accent and pull it off so well and when he starts talking his actions i'm like holy fuck it's frank <laughs> it's frank from once upon a time in the West, like it's the same evil gunslinger who's working for the politician to keep shit in line. Yeah, it's it. Oh, the, the movies this film draws from. It's so cool. And he's such a creepy villain. And just and in the end, he's kind of like, a you know, a little tip of the hat, like to one legend from one legend to another. Like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, man. And then just rides off into the sunset. This crazy ass homicidal rattlesnake. Like, what the fuck is this? This is great. So, <laughs> so cool. And I love that he's even, even this massive, giant, scary, like sadistic rattlesnake also is scared of something, scared of the hawk. Yeah. It's like everyone, circle of life. <laughs> Reminded me of Hopper. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Hopper. Yeah, it's another <laughs> great character, another great villain. Uh, I, I have, yeah, I have no problem with that pick. I, I think he adds a whole another layer of darkness to the film and, and it's needed in that stretch. You're like, okay, well, some, something's on the horizon and we need it now. Like as, as a fan and as a watcher of the movie, you're like, I'm ready. 
I'm ready for it to go there. And, and when it goes there, it's fucking nuts, you know? And when he squeezes beans, you know, like, like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's so cool. <laughs> and then to see him take out the mayor is pretty satisfying. Extremely. It's yeah. But he makes like some real legit threats. Like he's the look in his eye. He's scary, man. It's it's impressive. It's a great performance. Bill Nye does such a great job with villains, and he had that relationship with Verbinski from Davy Jones. Yep. So it just it, it makes sense. Yeah. Do you fear death? <laughs> God damn! <laughs> I love that. I, I also one of the best scenes from Rango to me is when he he shoots a wounded bird. Yeah. That scene. That scene is wild, and, and it's just kind of like, oh my god, that that. That's like one of the most badass characters, you know, in, in the movie, uh, played by uh, Gil Birmingham, and he great classic voice, yeah, and just perfect, perfect for the genre. And when you see Wounded Bird go down, you're like, oh fuck! I thought that guy was untouchable. People <laughs> don't get shot in kids' movies. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Do you see Toy Story and Buzz fucking slinging fucking many guns around? No, like no. It ain't happening. You know, Zerg's got little like ping pong balls. He shoots out of his fucking, you know, like it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. When you really break it down, you're like, Oh my God, it really should be PG 13. <laughs> yeah. My God. Like, would you, uh, I'm curious, actually, would you like, did, did your daughter watch this with you? No, I don't think she would like it. I think it, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bright enough for Willow. Willow's, that makes sense. Willow's like, Willow's like two and a half. She loves like trolls, you know, like really bright stuff, you know, yeah. Finding Nemo, uh, Inside Out, you know, movies that are just pop. And Rango, while it's gorgeous to a trained eye, like a, an eye that really watches movies. Yeah. But if you're like, if you're just watching like the, when they're in the saloon, it's like this every, it's like a bunch of brown and black and gray. Like the colors, the color palette. No. I love it. It's but a I think town it, called I, dirt. What do you expect? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I also think like the beginning of the movie, like when he comes across Alfred Molina's uh, roadkill character, yeah, it's just it's just like it immediately kind of draws a line in the sand and is like, okay, you're either like this is either for you or you're just kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? And it you're is, out. It's unusual how this was marketed to like kids that young, like to yeah. children, and this is like I feel like. Very few kids are going to take anything away from this. Yeah, exactly. And, they don't, and they're not going to understand what it means for Bill Nye and Harry Dean Stanton to be playing characters in it. They're just not, it's not going to make sense. Uh, but for us, it's fantastic. Um, while, I, while I love every single thing everybody's doing in this movie, I had to give it to Johnny Depp. I figured. Mr. Mr. Rango himself. Uh, Everything he does in this is is the very beginning of the movie when he's in his tank and he's, you know, just talking to Victor, the tree. <laughs> What's that, Victor? You know, oh, conflict. We need conflict. And then immediately he, they crash and he's up in the air. And, ah. <laughs> and I love I love when he's sliding on the glass on the road and he's like, ah. <laughs> and you're immediately reminded of Fear and Loathing. You're immediately reminded of Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, and then they show you that they show you that while he's on, you know, he's up in the air flying around. They show basically show Johnny Depp and Benicio del Toro riding in the car on like a bunch of drugs. And it's just, you immediately know you're in for a ride and 
this character means a whole lot to me. He's one of my favorite protagonists of any animated movie. And I, 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 I had, had to give it to Johnny Depp. I had to give it to, to Mr. Rango. Yeah, no argument here. He is lights out good in this. Uh, and the, the scene where he flips onto the windshield of Hunter S. Thompson with Gonzo in the backseat is my honorable mention for my Deacons because I was like, I got to bring this up. I can't just let that go. This is fantastic. A Terry Gilliam movie that just fucking rules and that book is awesome. So yeah, I, I love all those little shout outs. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then for him to just go like, oh, it's another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, because if you've seen Fear and Loathing, you know that they're on all kinds of uppers, downers, <laughs> wazzies, woozies. <laughs> oh, I haven't God. seen that movie in so long. I got I to gotta sit down and just watch that again. Oh, it's the shit. God, I love that movie. I, I, when I was watching it at the beginning, uh, my fiance, Brianna, was awake. And I was like, you know what that's from? And I went and pulled the movie off my shelf. And I was like, look how, look how. Even on the the uh, the the movie poster and the, the DVD case, like Johnny Depp's, you know, character is like a little bit warped and his neck is stuck out the same way Rango's is. It's so yeah. cool. So there's, cool. There's no way in hell that was an accident. That is no, not, that's so no. cool. That's so neat. Yeah. It's on the <laughs> nose and it's on the nose in the right way. I, I love that stuff. All right. Here we go. The Roger Deacons Award. I the moment it happened, I'm like, oh, my God. And it is the spirit of the West. Mm. I, mm. I mean, what the fuck? The whole time they're talking about him. And the last thing I expected was the man with no name himself. Oh, my God. What a great, like, way to bring that into this world. And Timothy Oliphant did such a fantastic Clint Eastwood impression. I mean, I thought it was him. I had to look it up. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> Incredible. In his golf, in his like studio stage golf cart <laughs> with his like stack of awards at the back. And just it's, you know, Clint in the in the poncho giving Rango sage advice from beyond, you know, from the world beyond. Amazing. Fantastic. I was I was floored. I was like, he's, they're actually doing this like he's actually there. Clint yeah. Eastwood is giving Rango the chameleon advice on how to be a hero at <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Like, way yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't walk out of your own story, man. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, that's great. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking awesome. That scene <laughs> kicks so much ass. Like he's on a golf cart. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, I love it. And he's like, I have to go back. You know, I gotta gotta go back to dirt. Back to dirt. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wish dirt was real so I could go there. Oh, oh man. Uh yeah, that was. That's always been one of my favorite scenes from, from this film, and it, it will remain that way as I fall more in love with Clint Eastwood as I watch more of his movies, you know, and that's it's just going to go hand in hand. It's perfect. Uh, I chose the batshit crazy Mad Max-like wagon chase. Yeah. Uh, so Rango and his posse, they are convinced that uh, these, these, these robbers that, that robbed the bank in the film, they're, they're convinced that it's, it's Balthazar, Harry Dean Stanton's character, and all these, all these crazy characters, they're the ones who robbed it, right? <clears throat> and so uh, him and his posse of what? Like, it's like 10 creatures. They go and find them in their hideout, and it becomes this wild, like, chase where they're on a wagon with the water bottle that has sand in it. <laughs> and these bats, 
these fuckers are riding on bats and they're like, oh, let's go, you know? And it's the most jaw-dropping animation I think I've ever seen. It's like, what is this? This this chase through this canyon. And if you were to if you were to pull way back, you know, you you forget a lot of these creatures are tiny. And you're so caught up in their world that you're like, no, this is all that matters, you know? This is all that matters, what's going on here. And I love how it ends where they're like, oh no, like the the stolen water bottle, like before discovering it, it was empty in the first place. All you know, <laughs> Balthazar and all of his people. And the, the, the robbers like, no, we found it empty. And the posse's like, well, we're still taking you into custody. Come on, <laughs> let's go. And it's just, it's just a hilarious, wild action moment that I, I always kind of uh, get, a, I, I inch a little bit more towards the screen. You know, I get a little bit to the edge of my seat every time that comes. Cause I'm just like, this is too much fun. This is way too much fun to be in any movie, let alone a, a Rango, a, a movie about a chameleon. It's so cool. And, and that's, some of Johnny Depp's best stuff as well in, in that scene when he's just kind of hooting and hollering, you know, and he's just, I guess I'm the sheriff and I gotta, I gotta lead these people. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm here to do. Yeah, that was, that was insane. That was wild. That was fun. Uh, that's where, you know, you get my awesome banjo rendition of Rise exactly. Of yes, exactly. They're all, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Fantastic pick. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, you could really go with anything. I think, I think when he initially walks into dirt and he's in the saloon and all these guys are like real tough and looking at him. And then he's got like the, he's got the toothpick in his mouth and he's like he's talking about how he killed the brothers. And he's like all seven of them. And he's like, yeah, with one bullet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. And then that, then that comes full circle later on when he literally uses one bullet to break the glass and all the water falls out. And then, you know, shit just goes crazy so it's it's a masterful movie masterful work uh an easy 10 out of 10 for me and uh again if you haven't seen it i don't know what you're doing through life (laughs) (laughs) uh it's an eight for me uh definitely a uh an enjoyable ride and a cool unique animated movie that celebrates the best of uh the american western and the italian western Mm -hmm. uh is it's on netflix right now so easy access check it out exactly yeah yeah it's you know not 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 one of your uh you know disney plus movies because it's a it's fucking nickelodeon which is crazy but yeah right now it is on netflix and got got to get people to check that one out you know definitely um so next week's pretty special (laughs) yeah i don't know how we could get more special than what we've been doing lately um we've been on we've been on a fucking tear lately uh, you know doing mining the gap and taxi driver and nicholas cage leaving las vegas and rango it's been been loads of fun here on oscar sunday but next week we we go back to the uh best picture showdown uh it'll be episode 70 next week uh you and i have been wanting to shout out some films that are hitting uh anniversaries and it feels like it's time to do to do 1971 feels like it's it's the, the time is right 50 years these movies came out 50 years ago so it's a uh, french connection a clockwork orange uh fiddler on the roof last picture show and nicholas and alexandra those five were up for best picture of course french connection won. uh also won the most awards at that show the 44th academy awards uh it won five of course gene hackman the dog the man the legend 
he he won best actor for for his role and i'm super excited to kind of share my exact thoughts and my exact passion for french connection while at the same time doing a showdown which is going to be tough because these five movies have something to say uh specifically you know the, the Kubrick film and the, and the Friedkin film, uh, William Friedkin film uh, are both just always have been two of my favorites. And uh, we both are watching Last Picture Show for the first time, both watching Further on the Roof for the first time, and both watching Nicholas and Alexander for the first time. So come back next week. It's going to be an epic episode, episode 70. And uh, we're going to do a proper Best Picture Showdown. No, no top fives here because we're going to be ranking those and talking about them for a good while. So, uh, Try to check those out if you can. Uh, Nicholas and Alexander's on Amazon Prime. Uh, Last Picture Show, you can't really find anywhere. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof, I don't think you can find anywhere. Uh, Clockwork Orange, I've owned it for so long, I'm not really sure what it's on. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, Th- that sounds right. I might right. be wrong. Let me, let, me, let me make sure in case people want to... Uh, want to give it a go. And then what's the, what's the last one that I haven't mentioned? Oh, French Connection. <laughs> uh, that... That I don't know. That's that one's so easy to just find though on DVD or yeah, you know, get access to. Yeah, it's not on anything right now. French Connection and Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick masterpiece is not on anything either. So, damn, those those are <laughs> movies that people should have just seen by now. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're listening to this show, you you know you know some of these movies. You've you've seen them. You've seen them. Come on, let's be honest here. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Uh, this is interesting uh, for the whole f- uh, Filmgasm Productions uh, thing because this is the first time a Filmgasm episode will be an Oscar Sunday episode. Correct. French Connection. We did that as a bonus when we did The Exorcist back in the day. William Friedkin, baby. Yep. So this will be interesting. Uh, set a cool precedent. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm uber excited because the, the biggest thing about this show is giving out those specific awards to a specific film. Yeah. And that's how you're really able to kind of process what you love about something. And French Connection, it's, it's time. It's time. Absolutely. Um, so Monday's sneak preview is going to be very interesting. Um, Caleb and I are tackling a top 10 horror films of the 2000s so 2000 mm. 2009 we did not want to see dear evan hansen and we are kind of done with netflix's output for a while so we wanted to do our own thing and uh going forward we're going to be doing this a lot when it's a movie we just don't give a fuck about that's totally fair <laughs> and then on wednesday uh we're having an epic epic folk horror filmgasm episode on the wicker man so that is going Hell to be yeah. so much fun uh, Josh's forte is folk horror. He's very excited about this. This was his pick. So tune in Wednesday for that. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. <laughs> very cool week. Uh, this was fun as hell. Can't wait for a showdown next week. And uh, we will see you then.